Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris Field. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Parker Clayer. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And Alex Sinar. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A. My name is Chris, and with me as always is Parker and Alex. We watched Sudden Death, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie uh, about hockey. Yeah, it's uh, one of those movies where sometimes you get hit with a tennis ball and get magical powers. <laughs> Chris, have you enjoyed that the entire month of October for you has just been, how the fuck did I not see this? Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting. For most people, they're like, it's spooky season! And, you know, they would go out and get pumpkins or something like that, and they watch horror movies that they've already seen like 30 or 40 times. This time I'm branching out, and I'm edifying myself. I have grown as a person because I watched Sudden Death. I wish I could grow as a person. (laughs) That way I could finally hit (laughs) (laughs) 5'10". Okay, before we grow anymore. Parker, do we have any news? You know, I actually was going to say no, and then at some point in our uh, pre-recording thing, something jogged my memory, and I remembered, oh yeah, the thing for Space Jam 2 leaked. I (laughs) I had to go make sure like someone wasn't fucking with me. It is, in fact, they go into the Toon World, and it's just Ready Player One, but with WB properties. It sounds like an absolute fucking nightmare. Next week's episode. (laughs) The idea of having to see the Joker in another movie (laughs) playing basketball. (laughs) It might break me. Oh my god, do you think he would play it like Kurt Russell does in Escape from L.A.? You guys think Mr. Freeze would uh, save his timeouts for, you know... I don't need you to finish it. It's fine. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're fine. We're good. <sighs> That's awful. It's one of the most cursed things I've ever seen. That's disgusting. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a borderline jerk of the week right there. Like, okay. I read that earlier in the week. I was like, oh, that's funny. And then like a couple days later, <laughs> someone else posted it. was like, oh, fuck, it's real. <laughs> oh, China. You're so cool. Oh, well, in a manner of speaking. So, speaking of Jerks of the Week, uh, let's get into our Jerks of the Week. I'd like to go first on this one. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. My Jerk of the Week is Radical Islam. Uh, Not again. uh... Congresswoman (laughs) Ilhan Omar was caught murdering innocents in a game of Among Us with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So, uh, naughty naughty, a stern wag of the finger to Miss Omar. Dude, ser- gamer rig. I'm jealous. <laughs> Serious question though: How the fuck did Critical scam his way into that game? Constant, <laughs> absolute king shit. Like, so we have a better question is how come the doc didn't? God, damn. I was gonna ask. We have all these it's... constituents on Twitch. They're not busy. They're not writing any legislation. No answers on where the doc is. So here's the problem: what Two of the people them? in that game knew exactly what happened to the doc. This was clearly a deep state conspiracy. This is horseshit. I'm sick of it. I want answers. That's or else know, I'm abstaining What would you pay vote. them for? I will On not a related vote in the note. election. <laughs> On a related note, my jerk of the week is the Cheeto Man. 
<laughs> now, <laughs> the third now, time the, for you. <laughs> it's been like the seventh time. Maybe but the most seventh. of the time it's because I forget, like right, you know, yeah. who my jerk of the week is. This time there's a real reason for it. So, you know, this is you know, our good friend the Cheeto Man has been in the news a lot lately for a lot of different things. This is probably something that you might maybe didn't hear about. This is, you know, he was uh, was at one of his rallies talking about you know all the things advisors have told him. One of his advisors, Dr. Scott Atlas, well, he misidentified him as Scott Atkins. <laughs> and I've been thinking all week about Scott Atkins advising the president on literally anything. <laughs> and the fact that that's not a thing makes him my jerk of the week. For conjuring up something too beautiful to exist in this world. <laughs> I, let, me defret, let me defend Trump. As I so often do on this podcast, maybe he hired Scott Atlas because he thought he was Scott Atkins. It's kind of like uh, the Fred Dreyer thing from Frisky Dingo. Dude, could you imagine like he goes in for like his fucking medical checkups in the in the the White House and like, he's just like, so like when do I get to learn the kung fu? He's like, Mr. President, like I guess these drugs are not working. We'll put you on something else. Yeah, yeah, but like when are you gonna teach me the moves, dude? I saw him. He knows ninjutsu. I've seen the main decent nunchuck. I need to judo chop Chris Wallace at the next debate. <laughs> God, imagine him trying to, trying to do a sick crescent kick in the middle of the debate and kick Biden's head off. <laughs> All right, I'm watching Triple Threat. <sighs> Buddy, that's a good that's choice. That's a good choice. Nah, not so, after I'm, this I'm not, episode, just right now. I'm putting it in. I'm not saying Trump would get my vote if he came out in a full gi and started doing spin kicks. <laughs> but I'm saying I live in Texas, so it wouldn't matter anyway. So. Mr. <laughs> President, if you're listening... There are up to three viable votes on this podcast. Do some really cool shit. I'm an undecided voter. Which of you cowards is going to break this board? (laughs) My jerk of the week. I've spent my whole life on this earth, decades, loving Godzilla, worshipping him, wanting to date him and kiss him. And this fucking teenage girl just comes out of nowhere and writes a letter to a fucking tv show are you joking me parker maybe this is the the sign of a blossoming romance even in a time of covid19 we can still find romance in our hearts as human beings this is wokeness run amok christopher and i'm sick of it (laughs) goddamn teenager what does she know what does she know about my beautiful baby i bet she hasn't even seen all his movies yeah she hasn't been through what I've been through. <laughs> Did you see him at the table at the press conference? It's like, they yes. look kind of cute together. She wrote a letter. I've written many letters and received many stern warnings in response. <laughs> Nary a date to be found. She proposed to this motherfucker, and rightfully he said no, because he knows where his heart belongs. Oh, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. Lucy. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Let's so get into what we watched days. recently. I watched a lot this week, guys. I'm sorry. I'll try to make this somewhat quick, but still give detail where it applies. Um, I've kind of had a bad time with French Same. horror movies. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Back on your bullshit, Chris. Oh, you better believe it. Um, no, I, I want to just kind of preface this, that for a lot of these horror movies, I've been going in sort of blind. I, I just want to know the title and the year, and I'll just put it on. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I watched uh, a Gaspar Noe movie. 
Um, now, Parker, you've talked about... How is that not enough? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I don't really know a lot about him. The, the most I knew about him is, remember when Climax came out, like the trailers and stuff like that? Sure. And I remember I've seeing the, the trailer and just being like, ugh. And I was like, I'm not going to watch that. And the friend who I was watching with at the time, she said, do you know any Gaspar Noe movies? I'm like, no, I don't really feel like it. And she's like... Well, maybe you won't like this one. Well, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just pop my cherry. And uh, I'll watch Irreversible. Hey, buddy. Uh, bet you won't make that mistake ever Jeez. again. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> you God, learned something we, today. I, You're uh, leading with something. Irreversible? Oh, what the fuck else did you watch this week? <laughs> oh, something far worse, because Irreversible is actually a pretty good movie. There's just a ten-minute sequence in the middle of the movie that I can never, ever watch again. Can you imagine, like, being in theaters when this sort of thing happens? Like, apparently they showed this at Cannes, because it's French, you'd just get away with that sort of thing. And people just sort of, like, sat in silence, like, complete dead silence until the next movie rolled when this one was done. It's a shame because Irreversible's well shot, it's well thought out, it, it tells an important message and everything. And there's also a ten minute rape sequence in the middle of the movie. And it's, like, really brutal, it just won't stop, and it's just terrible to look at. And it's like, but for that sequence, this might have been an excellent movie. As it stands... It's good, but with a massive, sweaty, hairy butt appended to the end of it. But it gets maybe so much the, worse. Maybe not the best choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Parker, have you seen Irreversible? Uh, no, because I've known about it forever. I'd be like, oh, because it shows up on all those lists of, like, fucked up movies. I'm like, oh, why yeah, is this yeah. so... You go to the Wikipedia, you're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I guess I'll... So not only do I get to read this movie, I get to watch a <laughs> brutal fucking... 10 minute yeah i'm good yeah i, I mean the summary yeah, hey seems that, seems like a bad thing to happen I'm yeah it, it's uh it's not one i had the best time with but watching horror and dancing around surprise rape scenes is difficult enough already that's a good point much yeah. less knowing there's a fucking 10 minute one waiting for me well that's the thing is like this is sort of what i miss out on by not being a part of the sweaty horror community online is that you guys apparently talk about this sort of stuff and be like, hey guys, warning, Irreversible's rape scene is only 10 minutes long. If you want a longer one, you gotta go to this one. You're so, not gonna be able to bust in time unless you prep. Right, you gotta yeah. pregame it. Yeah. See, the unfortunate part of this movie is that Rob Zombie did not direct it. Well, that's a good point, yeah. Oh, that is a cursed thought. That's gonna keep me up tonight. <laughs> Holy shit. God. Rob Zombie, if you're listening, and I know you are, please don't take Alex's advice. Now, if you want to direct a Bigfoot movie, let's talk. My people. Or, you know, people. another animated feature? No. Okay, let's, okay. you know, we have fun here, guys. But now, speaking of things I despise, uh, I was like, uh -oh. oh, God, I gotta wash the taste of Irreversible out of my mouth. And Parker, you know where this one's going. I decide, yeah. all right, I'll just put on Martyrs. What's the worst that could happen? Alex, have I'm, you heard of I'm, Martyrs? I'm familiar with Martyrs. Please I wish I could remember the episode where you watched Inside, and I graphically told you, hey, you should probably never watch Martyrs. You would not enjoy I, it. I, I'm sorry. I definitely <laughs> forgot about your warning. That That's on me, all right? I will take it. That's my fault, because I did really like Inside. I thought it was really good. Martyrs is a torture porn movie, and everyone who says, well, not really a torture porn, they're, they're going to hell for lying. Uh, because Martyrs is explicitly torture porn. Apparently the director said that he was in a very depressed state when he wrote this movie. No excuse, bub. Uh, here's my thing about torture porn. The problem isn't the torture. The problem isn't the graphic violence and the viscera and all that other bullshit. The problem is that it's all pointless. It all goes nowhere. Martyrs has no message. People said, oh, it's actually quite nihilistic in nature. There is no nature here. You're just showing violent scenes for no reason. 
there was no thought put into this. There is very little effort put into this. There are some like decently shot scenes quite by accident. It's it's such a shame because like there are performances that you know with a little bit more work with a little bit more well let's call it what it is effort it might have been somewhat serviceable as it stands Martyrs is one of the worst movies ever made not one of the worst I've ever seen probably one of the worst ever made and Parker you said this is somewhat well regarded by whom I liked it oh god <laughs> if we were in the same room I would put you in a fucking headlock yeah dude. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> See, the real problem here is that if you liked it, there's a horror movie that's waiting for me that you hated. And Correct. it's going to be so much worse. Oh, you don't know the power I wield? I have to admit that Martyrs is kind of one that it sort of cut the line for me where it's like, you know, I'm not going to waste my fucking time anymore. I'm not going to go into a movie without, like, you go into IMDb and you don't look at, like, the rated. It's like, oh, it's rated R because of whatever. You go into, like, the, the key tag words, and every once in a while they'll have, like, torture porn in there. I'm like, okay, I can forget that. And I'm, I'm also going to take Parker's warnings a little bit more seriously. He said, don't watch High Tension by Alex Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Chris, if you don't Chris, like that, you're really not going to like that. Yeah. Chris, let me give you a word of advice for uh, cruising IMDb. Don't if watch you, uh, if, if No, if you scroll down past all the cast list and you get to the little blurb about the movie and it's not by Hypersonic 91, <laughs> then uh, just just don't bother. That's a good Please point. Check. He is sort of like the patron saint of this podcast. Check the anyway. tags here. Torture porn. Feet. Bare feet. Barefoot. <laughs> foot on glass. Okay. <laughs> we gotta get the other Alex to do that in ASMR voice. Anyway, so, uh, so much for French horror. Uh, for good, as far as I'm concerned. Let's get into Spanish horror slash Mexican horror, because uh, some I'll, of these are co-productions. It feels Excited. so good being justified just saying, like, hey, all French movies are dog shit and just watching it slowly become true. Yeah. They, I mean, you know, it's weird is when I first started, like, really getting into watching movies, I started watching some French movies, because I speak a little bit of the lingo. And Amelie was great, Forbidden Games was great, then I watched Martyrs, so, you know. I also speak a little bit of the lingo. <laughs> Omelette du oh. fromage. <laughs> Say it again, but slower. Anyway. We were on opposite sides of the country making firm eye contact like, are you going to do it this time? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you can say. Okay, so I got into some uh, Guillermo del Toro movies, and uh, they were infinitely better because they were about something. And uh, it's two of them, The Devil's Backbone and The Orphanage. I like The Devil's Backbone a lot more. Uh, Parker, you've seen The Orphanage, right? Yeah, I think he just produced that one, though. But I'm yeah, not going to bother to like, it. When he produces, it's kind of like Jordan Peele producing. It's like his name really gets like all the attention there. So I'm going to give him the attention for the orphanage, even though J.A. Bayona directed it. Probably pronounced that wrong. Anyway. Uh, well, that's you're... right. I only watched it because that's the dude that did fucking Jurassic World 2. That's why I watched that. <laughs> did he? I did not know man. that. Oh, that makes man. sense. I was like, why did I watch the orphanage out of Shit. nowhere like a year, two years ago? Well, the, the Orphanage is certainly better than Jurassic World 2. I was about to shit on it, but it's a lot better by comparison. Does it have a dinosaur veterinarian, though? Uh, no, and it doesn't have a child pterodactyl. Uh, <laughs> what a nasty woman. <laughs> so, The Devil's Backbone. It's 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 about like a certain period in time in, in history where... Uh, Guillermo del Toro didn't grow up during it necessarily, but he he probably knew about it, and I learned a little bit of history as a result of watching it. And okay, these movies aren't really scary per se, but I don't think that a horror movie needs to scare you. It's sort of like there is an interesting story that takes place in basic horror trappings. 
Look, that gets you over the bar, okay? If you can hold my attention, that's fine enough for me because I've seen so many other horror movies that can't even do the bare basics. I, I don't care if you can't scare me. It's kind of hard to scare me. I've got like, what, two movies that did that? Gonjam and The Thing. <clears throat> that's about it. So uh, I would recommend The Devil's Backbone. As far as The Orphanage, eh, it's fine. Yeah. It's serviceable. I've watched it's uh, like the, people who've watched like Pan's Labyrinth like I don't know didn't really scare no. me it's like you it's you not really supposed ass. to <laughs> I fucking hate nerds <laughs> I didn't even know that like Pan's Labyrinth was a horror movie when I watched it I was like oh this is just nice this is just it's interesting. like a fun like fairy a tale oh what is he doing to that guy's face Jesus well, right. fucking it's, it's just like <laughs> it's the horror equivalent of like yeah I figured out what was going on in Knives Out like 30 minutes in yeah <laughs> like uh, shut the fuck up no one cares just, man yeah, like, literally so no one cares <laughs> just dug my fingernails into my thigh when he said that Holy shit. <laughs> I know who it is Okay, so I also watched the original 1945 version of The Picture of Dorian Gray pop quiz Parker who wrote The Picture of Dorian Gray <sighs> your dad oh man <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Picture of Dorian Gray was written by Oscar Wilde. Um, Why would you quiz me about a book? <laughs> I tried to warn you about Mars. Don't take it out on me. Oh, okay. Oscar. <laughs> oh, Susie. Okay, so do it you guys have. the best of t- <laughs> Let you get it out of your system. Hey, look, I'm petting the kitty. <laughs> okay, okay so, I'm good now. Do you guys have any like actual thoughts on Oscar Wilde before we talk you about keep the movie? money? <laughs> right. I'm done. I swear. <laughs> also, so, no, I don't. Well, you know, it's weird because when I was in high school, apparently, when you guys were in high school, there can be only one was the catchphrase. And when I was in high school, it was maybe it was because I was in the honor classes, but I went to, uh, I was in English class with a lot of the uh, really sweaty uh, theater kids. The really sweaty theater kids who will smell like old meat would talk endlessly about how much they loved Oscar Wilde. And I was like, God, shut the fuck up. None of you can run a mile. Who cares? So turns out Oscar Wilde was actually funny as hell. Like it was great. I, I watched the movie and it's, you got George Sanders in the lead role, not as Dorian Gray, but as like, I guess his friend or something. And he kind of plays like an author self-insert for Oscar Wilde. That dude was really funny. He was like actually really funny. The movie's pretty good too. It does one of those things that I really like. And it's a cheap gimmick, but it gets me every time. We got like a black and white movie, then all of a sudden, color. It's like, oh, that always gets my attention. And they make changes from the novel that are really good specifically for the purpose of the movie. I thought it was actually really, really well done. I wouldn't be surprised if I said that this is probably my favorite movie from 1945. Parker, what's your favorite movie from 1945? Oh, one of those ones where, like, Dracula's walking around or some shit. I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) Something about like slaves and it's like four hours long who could give a shit man oh boy that's <laughs> that, that, my ears just perked up okay so i, I kind of went out of order here after i watched martyrs I, I got really really pissed off as uh parker can attest to and uh, <laughs> i love waking up to you rage texting a movie i told you to never watch in your life because <laughs> i'm one step closer to the edge and i'm about to get him jay watch rushmore Break. so <laughs> I watched a Wes Anderson movie that I had never seen. I was like, you know what? This is on my hard drive. Let's put it on. What's the worst that could happen? Rushmore is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Dude, I, Rushmore fucking owns. Yeah. Like, what a great movie from start to finish. Dude, what? I had like one criticism. I don't remember what it was. It's just a great movie. It doesn't even matter what the criticism is anymore. I just really do liked you, it. 
Do you want to know what my one Rushmore criticism was? Would it be they didn't show that his little Asian girlfriend enough? Because I would agree with that. I mean, yes, but also, um, it was like the sixth or seventh Wes Anderson movie I'd seen. So, like, viewing them non-chronologically, like, it did not have the impact on me that something like the Royal Tannenbaums did, which I saw much earlier. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the Wes Anderson gimmicks are present throughout all of his movies, and they own. Like, they're great. It's it's fucking awesome. Like, everything that he does in movies is super, super cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the shock value of, like, how the fuck have I not watched this, like, wears off as you go from movie to movie to movie. And since that was, like, late in the chronology for me, like, I just didn't get as much out of it that I did from, like, Royal well, Bombs and Life Aquatic and shit like that. Well, at the time, were you just watching, like, a whole, like, binging Wes Anderson movies or was it like spread out and you just watch it after some of this later stuff um so after I watched Royal Tenenbaums I remember I watched like two more with like that weekend because mm-hmm. Royal Tenenbaums I think is like one of my like seven or eight favorite movies ever mm-hmm. and but also it was like my first Wes Anderson movie and like the first one is always the one that I think sticks with you that's probably I true. know a lot of people for uh like who like Grand Budapest Hotel is that movie for them right, where they're yeah. just like this guy's fucking amazing I need to watch all his stuff and they watch all his stuff and they're like yeah this is great but Grand Budapest Hotel is still my favorite and like mm-hmm. I really think he's one of those directors where the first one you watch is going to be your favorite almost no matter what it is yeah that's really close for me because my first for him was is uh, Isle of Dogs which is I think his most forgotten movie unfortunately although my favorite is actually uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox which I think is just a perfect movie uh, Parker, if I could describe the plot of Rushmore for you. It's about uh, this 15-year-old kid, I believe played by Jason Schwartzman. Correct. Who, uh, he goes to a private school called Rushmore. And he's the president of the fencing club and the go-kart club and the skeet shooting team and uh, the debate club and the Latin club, which he tried to get canceled, then he brought it back. And uh, he's on the wrestling team. He's in all these different extracurricular sports and activities and clubs and all this other stuff. And he's got a, uh, what is it, a 0.3 grade point average. Um, and uh, at some point, Bill, Mur- Bill Murray's in the movie, by the way. It's a Wes Anderson movie. Try to keep up. Uh, tells him, you should try to find something that you love and just do it for the rest of your life. He's like, I did find something I love, but it's going to Rushmore. <laughs> uh, which is, so the reason I bring up the plot here is that I don't think that Jason Schwartzman will be, for you or for me, a particularly relatable character. It's not like you look at him and it's like, oh, that's me. That's who I was. I was on the fencing team. It's more like you look at him and you're like, I feel like I knew this guy or would have known this guy. It's He seems like a very real character and you just want to follow him. I don't know if I would have been his friend, but I certainly would have followed his activities and his adventures and everything. Uh... Chris, yeah. can I can I press time out on your sales pitch to Parker for one second? Mm-hmm. Because I know how to make Parker watch this movie. Okay. Parker, this movie is Van Wilder for smart people. What? <laughs> oh, dude, who's his Taj? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I, I really like Rushmore, not just for the music, but uh, the, the comedy's really funny and the drama's really good, too. Uh, I had a really good time with this. I'm probably going to get this on Blu-ray. And... I'm going to watch more Wes Anderson movies. It's it's just the way As it is. As you should. Yeah. Like, considering the shit you've watched this week, like, yeah. just watch something enjoyable, man. Well, don't worry. And I'm, like, I'm going to get to some that I watched that were quite good. I promise. Okay. Promise. I didn't like I, the I part where they flayed Bill Murray alive to answer <laughs> questions about the afterlife. I thought that was rather tasteless. <laughs> 
Turns out Bill Murray is actually funny. Who knew? So, uh, two, I watched this background noise that are worth talking about. I was, I was working and I was really, really busy. I was just, I, I need something in the background. Kind of like in The Accountant. He needs like really loud heavy metal music as he uh, rubs an iron <laughs> rod on his leg. So, Me. I, <laughs> Man, that's a movie I gotta watch again. So my, <laughs> is it? So my background movies were uh, uh, The Fast and Furious 6 and The Fast and Furious 7 uh, back to back. Oh, I was just God. like, I just put these on, that's whatever, you know? And I just want to make it clear that I am so happy that we stopped putting Ronda Rousey in movies. Uh, remember when Give we started doing that for some reason? Give it time. No, no. Well, look, if we talk about Give It Time, the next up on my list is Gina Carano, who also can't act. Well, Gina Carano has been in one fantastic movie. Exactly. She's in Haywire, so, so therefore. If you haven't seen Haywire, like, put some time aside. Yeah. You will adore that fucking probably movie. it's it's just that she's awful in furious six and ronda rousey is awful in furious seven turns out she, she just can't act or win a fight so leave the action to michelle rodriguez who is wonderful <laughs> next week's episode the breed Oh, well <laughs> jesus actually so one last thing here that i want to mention about fast and furious it must have been seven uh is when uh the, the Rock is walking in, and he says, so it's like, uh-oh, better hide all your baby oil. Uh-oh, better hide your big-ass forehead. And it turns out that was an improvised line. And it's like one of the funniest lines in the entire series. It's the most Marvel sort of humor, but it works because most of the other jokes in here are just like, wow, Gal Gadot kicks someone in the face with a heel? Uh, it turns out, yeah, it turns out the, the Rock is actually really funny and a good actor in one of the best parts of the series. Uh, yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> I think about Buddy, Daddy's I- gotta go to work. <laughs> A lot. Where he, with the fucking, the the cast. (laughs) Chris, my friend, I really, really hope nobody assigns you Hobbs and Shaw in the game of games. That would be a shame. I would sure be upset if, anyway. Uh, (laughs) Uh, You know, you say that. (laughs) This has gone too far. Yeah, that's, yeah, we gotta have some limits here. Speaking of limits, uh, (laughs) my favorite director, my favorite working director is Park Chan-wook. The guy who did Old Boy, Handmaiden, Thirst. Uh, he also made a movie, his first big hit, called JSA, Joint Security Area. The Joint Security Area is those little houses that meet in between the two Koreas. This is where Donald Trump crossed that line in the sand that you're not supposed to cross. Um, it is a, it's something that the two Koreas take really, really seriously. If your shadow crosses that line, you could be perforated. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I had no idea it was going to be this good because it's one of his earlier ones. It's not really a horror movie that he's known for or an intense drama. It's a mystery thriller. Uh, two guys cross the, uh, the line in the joint security area. Why do they do it and why do they come back is uh, the point of the movie. Now, who is that guy who's in all those Bong Joon-ho movies? He was in The Host. He was in um, Parasite. He was in Snowpiercer. He was, he's just been in about every single Korean movie. I guess he's like the Dick Miller of Korea. Sorry, that's mean to him. Uh, not going to cut it, though. Joint Security Area is so good because not only does it take an extremely serious subject with the amount of seriousness that it uh, deserves, it's also really funny. There are some extremely funny scenes uh, at very serious moments, and it makes a really good point about the state of the two Koreas. I would highly, highly recommend this movie. And then I watched Steel. I have never heard of it, but that sounds interesting. <laughs> so, Parker, you assigned me Steel. Oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? 
Now, I have mentioned on this podcast that uh, Steel... This was years ago, actually, that I mentioned it. That Steel is probably the worst comic book movie ever made. I mentioned that having only seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, now I know a little bit better. Uh, now I know that... If we're going to be honest, Catwoman's probably the worst comic book movie ever made. Um, Some kind of Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad is worse, yes. Um, there, there's some other... Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, worse than this. Um, Next week's episode. And what was that one that... Uh, Alex, you assigned it to me. Was it Ultraviolet or something? Oh, Jesus. Did I assign you that? I think so you sorry. did, yeah. Well... Actually, I would say it's better. I I think, actually, I might say it's better than Steel. But, uh... Oh, I don't know. Now, whatever. Steel is, you know, somewhere in that top ten. It's really, really bad. Steel is the movie that made me wonder whether it's possible for black people to wear blackface. Uh, not just because, you know, it's... (laughs) So, the reason I say that is uh, the director and writer took the script into the inner city to hang out with the kids and ask them if the uh, dialogue was hip enough and the kids gave him pointers and uh, he revised the script as such but he didn't do it in a very natural way so it's not necessarily because of Shaq although he still has his you know that grin that Shaq does whenever he's selling something like oh yeah try a new uh, culotta at Dunkin Donuts today you know, that's the smile of this. I don't know why Shaq is Marlon Brando, but continue. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Shaq. We're big fans of you and the general. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the I, problem here is a Mr. Ray J, who is in this as a Oh, teenager. I've seen him in another movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is Ray J's second most famous work. Uh, probably more famous than any of his albums. Uh, Ray J is in this, and I, I'm dead serious. He sounds like a white kid pretending to be black. He's, he he sounds kind of like... Uh, Jamie Kennedy? No, he sounds like... Uh, no, no. What's his what's the name of the kid? He sounds like J-Rock from, uh, from Trailer Park Boys. In my head, it's Dave Chappelle doing a white voice doing a black voice. Yeah, that might actually be it. That's genuinely kind of what he sounds like. Also, Judd Nelson's face in this. Judd Nelson, very well known for The Breakfast Club. What a great movie. He's in this one, too. And he has a Kubrick stare the entire movie. I think something happened with that guy's (laughs) eyes. Really? Because I'm used to getting that from Ray J. Man, there's like two people that are going to laugh hysterically at that, and everyone else is going to go, I don't get it, and that's fine. Well, we could use two more <laughs> listeners. Anyway, uh, Steel is... Camera angles. No, <laughs> Parker. Film just wasn't as advanced back then. Parker. Honestly. Steel yeah. is based on a comic book. I don't know if you've ever read one, but apparently in the comic book, uh, Steel was some black guy who got saved by Superman, the Man of Steel. Huh? There's a thing. Okay. So uh, in this one, Superman doesn't even appear. But because it's a DC thing, they're allowed to say Man of Steel, Superman, Batcave, and all that other stuff. And they could just get away with it. And people will wonder why they're not watching those movies instead. Uh, Shaq. Uh, how do I put this? You see, Shaq is very big, but he's also a little bit clumsy. And he goes to a dog park, and there's a cat there. <laughs> voiced by George Lopez? Yeah, voiced by George Lopez. Thank you. Uh, and then he puts on, like, a suit of... I wouldn't say it's armor. I guess it's more like steel armor. And he has, like, a sledgehammer. And uh, I guess he bashes people's brains in with a sledgehammer or something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, 
so here's another thing about black people wearing blackface. Uh, this has one uh, of my favorite actors, Richard Roundtree, in it. Where's he from? He's in Shaft. He plays Shaft. Well, he's in this movie as Uncle Joe, the leader of a junkyard. Junkyards have leaders now. And uh, he's he says, uh, oh, you know, things might get dangerous, uh, Steel. And he says, oh, well, don't worry about it. I'm ready for danger. And Richard Roundtree responds, and I boogie around danger like one of the soul trained dancers. I feel good. And, uh, is, is that racist? Yeah, it see, sounds, yeah, like, right? it sounds like yeah, something Colin it, Powell would it say. It doesn't make me feel very good inside. <laughs> uh, so, I wouldn't recommend it, except to Parker, who uh, probably should watch in the future. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, Parker, did I mention his grandmother is trying to cook a souffle? And she doesn't need Shaq's big butt busting in there like he's James Brown. Remember James Brown?! Well, from 1960 fucking three hey kids who love superman also love james brown <laughs> right and domestic abuse now parker and Good alex fame. and anyone else who's listening let's talk about temptation let's talk about craving let's talk about something that you need and you feel that you just can't live without it even if it's a korean barbecue even if it's a selfish desire parker i had a baked pretzel Ooh. I'm sorry. I I had to go to the Alamo Draft House. I I was having spoken a, like a true Virginian. I I was having a rough day. I really was. I was just like, you know, what? I don't even care anymore. Let me get it. And I was the only one at the theater. So uh, I guess I'm safe. I watched saved yourself three hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I ended up watching The Nightmare Before Christmas on the big screen, which. Which was really, really nice. I really like that movie. It's very funny. It makes me feel good. Unfortunately, there was no kitchen for me to run to during Sally's song. which uh, So I just had to sit through the whole thing. <laughs> Turns out the song's actually kind of decent. Fine, whatever. You got me to admit it. Uh, but I like that movie. And I also like seeing it on the big screen because I kind of grew up with it on VHS. So the quality sort of washes out. And now you can sort of see like the strings and the wires and like the fingerprints on the clay and stuff like that. But you know what? That just makes me like it even more. Because like this is probably the best claymation movie ever made. Just because all the detail that goes into all the creative-looking uh, monsters and people and environments and everything, there was a lot of time and effort that went into this. I mean, forget the fact that the music's really great. Forget the fact that the story has themes that uh, really ring true. Forget even the great voice acting. Look at those characters. Look how cool they look. It's it's just awesome. I really like that movie. Yeah, I rewatched it last week. I don't think I brought it up on here because I just mentioned it a couple months ago, but... The movie's really fucking good. I think you did think... mention it. Yeah, I I really do like that movie. And uh, it turns out this Tim Burton guy might be someone to keep an eye on. Next week's episode, Planet of the Apes. Actually, that was last... Okay, that was like three years ago. Jeez, we're getting old here. <laughs> I think people don't forget a, a lot of people our age, like, just disregarded that movie because of, you know, Hot Topic being the the juggernaut it was yeah. in our formative years. Yeah. The movie fucking rules. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. So uh, also the Lock Shock and Barrel song is the best song in the movie. Don't do not at me. So I actually want to ask you about the Lock Shock and Barrel song. Do you prefer the original one or do you prefer the corn version? <laughs> uh, it's honestly offensive that you even have to ask that question. <laughs> have we not gotten to know each other at all? Over the years? 
Oh, man. You better believe I put on some Spotify Halloween playlist and, like, song four was the Marilyn Manson version of This is Halloween. You know, that's... Okay, so I'm glad happy. you mentioned that because I, I came back and I texted uh, Michelle that I saw it and she said, I still prefer the Korn version of the soundtrack. And I was like, did Korn do a version of every single song on there? Because I need to hear Korn's cover of Sally's song. Oh, could you yeah. imagine, like, the Highlander soundtrack but with Korn? Yes! Oh yes! Okay. okay, let's. We let's need get to get some money together. We need to call Rob some Zombie. People. Your They're people. Not get them on our They're show. not busy. <laughs> Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> no one has abilities. No physical mutation. No nothing. No nothing. <laughs> All right, get that theme song in here. So my dad uh, texted me that he had seen oh, a really God. good movie. My dad never does this, so I was like, "Okay, I'm going to set aside what I have." Dad, what's the movie? He called it uh, "The Birth Trigger of the Nation." Warning. So no, I mean, uh, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's actually it's usually my line. <laughs> so here's the the problem with the movie that he recommended to me. It has too many names. It was originally released in the UK as North Sea Hijack. It goes over here as Folks, and then it was Assault Squad. So you know, kind of vague. It's really good, actually. It's uh, a movie with Roger Moore. Um, and I have to... Jesus, you forgot Roger... <laughs> okay. I, for, I, I you know names. It's kind of a vague name. It's, it's getting cut. <clears throat> I should have said that. <laughs> so Roger Moore is in this. Uh, he's the lead actor. It's very different from what he's used to. Most people know Roger Moore from uh, some of his really, really bad James Bond movies. Uh, and also Moonraker. But they also know him from some... Uh... <laughs> Next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Should that be an episode? <laughs> Focus on the folks. Um, we can have that conversation off. Correct. Anyway, he's also well known for a oh, lot yes. of like chick flicks, romantic comedies, lighthearted, stupid shit that uh, really wasn't very good. This one, he plays his character who is um, he's misogynistic, but he's very serious and he holds himself to a high standard. He loves to drink. It's starting at ten o'clock in the morning. Oh, no wonder my dad like this. Anyway, uh, it's. It's actually really good. It kind of feels like a James Bond movie, but with virtually no action scenes. So it's more of a thriller than a har uh, action. And uh, actually more of a suspense. The basic idea is there's this oil rig out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, Solid Snake has to, I mean, Roger Moore has to infiltrate it because some um, terrorists led by Anthony Perkins in between psychos uh, has is holding it for ransom. He's going to blow the whole thing up. It's actually really interesting. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Now, I know what you're wondering. Chris, you mentioned this was originally released in Britain. Does the main character wear a dress? Close. He does mention that the reason he doesn't like women is because he had five older sisters and was forced to wear their hand-me-downs. Britain is always on their bullshit. <laughs> you see, if, if, if I were in this movie, it would have been because I respected them too much. Right, yeah, that's... <laughs> All right, uh, now two that I didn't really care for, but were they're good, but I don't love them. Uh, Kim Ji-Woon is another uh, Korean director that I'm familiar with. He directs a lot of horror movies. He directed I Saw the Devil. I watched that one and A Tale of Two Sisters back to back. I Saw the Devil oh, is buddy. a lot better, I'll tell you that much. Um, someone I Saw the Devil's better than most movies, though. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't love it because... It felt like something was missing, and I don't know what. Um, which is weird, because uh, a lot of people told me before, hey, watch out, it's really brutal. And, yeah, it's gory, but at least it's going somewhere. At least it does something. It's like we're trying to tell a story, and the gore is part of it. You, you kind of have to, you know, take it as it is. 
that's fine. I got no problem with what I saw in I Saw the Devil. Uh, it's quite good. It's nice to see Choi Min-sik again uh, after his role in Old Boy. Uh, that was quite good. It just felt like neither one of the protagonists was really well characterized enough. But I guess I can see why most viewers wouldn't care. Because it's, the story isn't about the characters. It's about the game that they play with each other. And I have to admit, it's a really nice idea for I Saw the Devil. The idea that it's like, okay, we found the killer in the first act. Now we're going to pick him up and drop him down a whole bunch. And as a viewer, I was just like, yeah, we should do that. Fuck that guy. And I, I thought it was a good idea. The ending was good, I have to admit. I didn't see that coming. I probably should have. Uh, I, I thought it was really well done. So it's a good movie. It left me wanting a little bit more. Uh, Parker, extended your thoughts on I Saw the Devil? I haven't seen it long enough to give any hot takes about it. Uh, I remember really enjoying it, but... yeah. I was that was, I was binge watching a whole bunch of. It, someone said it was one of the scariest stuff, movies so. ever made. I I don't find it particularly scary. What? No, who are these people? Yeah. Who are these people? Well, someone also said it was grislier than the most uh, visceral torture porn, which I don't think they know what any of those words mean. So incorrect. Yeah, yeah that's a fucking Mad Lib review. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> David early shit out of my podcast. Fucking old boy has more grisly scenes than that. You know when he tears out the teeth with the crowbar? That's fucking grisly. Oh. Anyway. Uh, his other movie, his earlier movie, was A Tale of Two Sisters, which got remade as The Uninvited. Uh, yeah, I got to sign that after I watched the first Garfield. <laughs> Pretty pissed off about it. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. All right, Alex, have you seen... We both got I in. was going to suppress that, but, you know, Parker opened it up for me. <laughs> Alex, have you seen either A Tale of Two Sisters or The Uninvited? No. Okay, that I, I won't spoil it. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes. There, there are two good to a side. Oh, they're good? Big shout okay, out to my mind. friend no. Chris, who watched the Korean version, just texted me, hey, did you see the uninvited? Knowing that if I saw either of them, it would have been the English version that had Elizabeth Banks. So, and also, yes. So my problem with The Tale of Two Sisters is midway through the movie, they reveal part of the twist. And I see that, and I'm like, oh, I get it. That's a, that's a thing that they're doing. All right, that's that's fine. I'm not stupid. And then the rest of the twist is revealed, and I had to look it up on Wikipedia. I, I didn't know my Korean was that bad. I, I couldn't, and I had subtitles on the entire time. I still couldn't follow what they were trying to do. I felt really, really dumb when I was watching the movie. And I'm usually pretty good at picking up on this stuff, but half the twist just completely flew over my head. Uh, also, it turns out Wikipedia got the ending completely wrong, so uh, I would recommend oh, uh, not bothering. Uh, maybe the Wikipedia summary is wrong, and maybe uh, the uh, twist is something completely different. It's it's well it's well shot, it's well filled. There are some really like scenes that probably would have been scary if I had known what the hell was going on. Uh, I guess one of the things that sort of gave me a little bit of trouble with it is that I struggle with Korean movies where there's stuff that goes against korean culture as i understand it the daughter of this movie is really disrespectful to her stepmother and that works in a western kind of tale that you don't get away with that in korea right you're gonna get your ears boxed so uh i, I had a couple problems apparently this is like a huge hit in south korea so maybe i'm just missing something but i didn't like it anywhere near as much as uh, the other korean movies i've seen maybe we'll watch thirst next uh now speaking of hockey Turns out Kevin James is the greatest goalie in NHL history. <laughs> I mean, who could have seen that coming? Yeah. 
So I was given the liberty of picking my own Kevin James movie. You know, Alex has already watched the Zoo movie. I watched the best one, Here Comes the Boom. And Parker has the Blart part of this covered. So I decided I will watch Grown Ups. I remember when Grown Ups came out, when Josh and I were working at the theater. Do you ever watch like a movie or just like, oh, I wish there wasn't any conflict so there wasn't any movie at all? That's this movie. There's no conflict. There's also no third act. It just The second act just keeps on going. The basic structure here is Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Kevin James, our big, beautiful, bouncing boy, Rob Schneider, and David Spade are all like their kids on a basketball team. They win the state championship. And the coach is like, oh, always do your best. And then the coach dies, and they have to meet up with each other to spread his ashes on an island. You may be wondering, oh, they're all friends? Why is Rob Schneider there? Rob Schneider's one of their friends. I know you can't believe this. A stapler. Because Rob Schneider does not have any friends in real life. And it's very hard for him to perform as one of their friends. Guess what? He's not good at it. Because everyone dumps on him the entire movie. Why wouldn't he? Because he's Rob fucking Schneider. Look at him. He's the he's the danger Aaron of comedy. Right. Yes. Uh, oh, so this movie's just an excuse for him to take a huge expensive vacation. And they just paid Rob Schneider to show up and get shit on for two weeks. So that's the weird thing about it. I, I decided to do some research into the serial killer of a movie. And it turns out this movie was actually written before um, uh, Chris Farley died. I think they wanted him in it instead of Kevin James. And uh, then they shelved it because, oh, our friend died. Well, let's get a different friend. Uh, then they decided that they would film it at the same time they decided to go to a water park, which was literally improvised. Uh there are certain scenes in here that are funny and that's inevitable because adam sandler is a funny person kevin james is a funny person chris rock is a very funny person i'd say david spade's a funny person rob schneider well anyway he's funnier than chris farley well he's dead anyway uh also salma hayek that has nothing to do with it also salma hayek is in this movie among oh, others. Oh, yeah. Also, also, I, I would be uh, remiss if I did not imagine. Jamie Chung is in this movie. She might as well just come on the podcast right now. She was in uh, Sorority Row and Dragon Ball Evolution as Chi-Chi. Oh, boy, the ultimate she. three-peat. Right, Welcome yeah. Welcome to the show. <laughs> she's, she's in this movie, too, as... Oh, I don't think she has a name. She's just in a bikini the entire time. I bet it's pretty tasteful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing is, you mentioned that. uh, Let's get to the racism, because Adam Sandler is nothing if not racist. Uh, He's he's really, he's a big shot in Hollywood. No, no, in the movie, he's like in a big shot in Hollywood. He's the rich one. In Adam Sandler's defense, he's usually racist against those that speak Spanish. Right. Well, he decided he'd switch it up for this movie. In this one, he has an Asian nanny named Rita. Okay. And he brings her to their cabin in the woods, and... uh, they're like, what? You got a nanny for your kids? Come on, check out Hollywood over here. And, and he's like, no, no, she's not a nanny. She's just an exchange student that I'm fostering. Study for your tests. And she speaks with an accent the entire time. And it's just, it is so uncomfortable. Because you'll go from, like, an actual funny line from uh, Adam Sandler, who does have a couple decent, uh, you know, zingers. And Chris Rock has a couple really funny ones as well. Uh, to just blatant fucking racism right there. Or sometimes like okay it's kind of mean to call someone ugly but it's like we do it all the time but like in this movie they just say it to a girl's face they just call her fugly and she just says hey 
No, you gotta have better consequences than that. That's so fucking mean. It's like a little girl, I mean, too. Chris, you said Adam Sandler was racist in this movie, and I just assumed that he did the voice for her. Oh, that's so a possibility. This is all yeah, that's, like, that's this is yeah. this is found money yeah. at this point. Uh, yeah, this well, you know the real problem with this movie is how popular it was. This made what 190 million dollars at the box office in the USA alone. And I remember when I was working at the theater that this was a huge hit. People kept buying out tickets for this movie. The critical rating was in the pits, but people just kept on going to see Grown Ups. And I remember going in there to like, you know, do a theater check while people were watching it. People were guffawing at this movie, at the dumbest possible lines, the dumbest fucking shit in this movie. This movie is my biggest problem with film goers as a whole. People who watch this stuff and they're just like, oh yeah, you know, this is good enough for me. I don't have to challenge myself. I don't have to watch anything that's tough or, you know, something that will make me think or improve myself. And I'll just watch Grown Ups. Look at Rob Schneider. He's got silly hair. It, it's, it's just so fucking irritating. So next week's episode, Grown Ups 2. Uh, <laughs> no. Sure hope nobody hits that space. Co- correct. Anyway. Sorry, what? Actually, there is a reason to watch Grown Ups 2. So the reason I would watch Grown Ups 2... God. Okay. All right. Well, that's another finger on the monkey's paw. Uh, so the thing about Grown Ups 2 is I, I saw a quick plot synopsis, or maybe it was a Red Letter Media review or something like that. They said Adam Sandler and his three other friends, so maybe Rob Schneider got killed. It's it's in play. So uh, anyway, next one I watch, Parker, you need to see Cemetery Man. All right. I'll just that in soon. I've heard good so, things. My journey with Italian horror is probably coming to an end pretty quickly. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm sure Lucio Fulci has some way to surprise me, but let's be honest, I think Italian directors know that they can't direct anything that makes any sense. There's something wrong with their brains in that country. So Cemetery Man just embraces it. They got Rupert Everett in it, and they're just like, yeah, we'll just do a whole bunch of weird shit, you know? Just fucking go for it everyone in the town knows that the dead come back from the cemetery that's like before the movie even starts it's just taken as gospel that sort of stuff happens all the time i wouldn't bury my kid over there but you know whatever they're not called zombies they're called returners okay fine whatever some bodacious breasts in this movie and also rupert ever takes his shirt off so there's something for everyone uh it doesn't have like a narrative plot structure that ordinarily I would be interested in, but I was having way too much fun with just how fucking bizarre this movie was to even care. Alright, you got my attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the last one I watched is one that I thought that I would hate, but I ended up kind of appreciating. I finally watched JFK. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, Let's talk. so my thing about this is I have despised Kevin Costner for a very long time. Because he doesn't know how to Because he beat the shit out of Cal Ripken. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, uh, Kevin Costner is one of the worst actors of all time. Not a very good director either. But he's actually kind Horrible of... Horrible GM, too. <clears throat> he's also... <laughs> he's actually pretty good in this movie. He's actually pretty good in this movie. I will, I'll give him a little bit of credit. The thing is... So many people are in this movie. They got Ed Asner, Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau... Uh, 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 help me out. There's a whole bunch of other people. Um, shit. Well, it, it's a star-studded cast. Just take my word on it. And uh, oh yeah, uh, Michael Rooker's in it. He's really good. Uh, 
the the story, Parker. I don't know if you've ever heard of JFK. Is uh, Jim Garrison, the uh, the district attorney of New Orleans, thinks there might be a little bit more to the story of the assassination of JFK. And I know what you're thinking. There was a second shooter on the grassy knoll, Mr. Garrison. You got that right, Mr. Hat. So. <laughs> I knew you were going to find a way as soon as you yeah, said it. Right, yeah, right. Ears perked up like a dog hearing a fucking can open. It's like the top note on your list, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the only note on my list you. was, yeah. Uh, it's really well shot. Um, it's it's really well acted. It's, it's well written. Uh, the scenes are intense. Uh so the main issue that people had with this movie when it was released is that it's not true. Most of the stuff in this movie is fictional. The basic premise of the movie, or people thought was the premise of the movie, was that uh, JFK was assassinated by the U.S. government and it went all the way up to Lyndon Johnson and the CIA and all this other stuff. And uh, there's a whole lot more that disproves it than actually proves it. Um, so... If you actually watch the movie, I don't really think that's the film's perspective. The film's perspective is, well, Jim Garrison believes it, and he did a lot of research, and he worked really, really hard on it. If that's what you're going with, works perfectly for me, because this is the kind of movie that I like to watch. It's three and a half hours, and it felt like one and a half. I had such a good time watching them work really hard to try to find solutions, and you know, at the end of the day, say whatever you want, this movie gave rise to the character of Dale Gribble, so I can't really give it a bad rating. You're not wrong. And, uh, like, I, I think that the biggest failing of this movie has nothing to do with this movie. And it's been more of, you know, Oliver Stone's, like, very public political views since then. Right, yeah. Like, that have kind of, like, given this movie a second life for the tinfoil hatters. And on that note, Chris, have you seen W? Oh, no. Okay, just keep that in the back <laughs> of your mind, Parker. <laughs> you know, you're right that it, it does give uh, the tinfoil hat or something else to do. I wonder if maybe that happened when it came out. But now the only thing that people remember from JFK is back and to the left. Back and to the left. That reminds me, Parker, everyone in this movie is doing an impression of you, so... It, it fucking owns that this movie is just too tame for the true and on crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 a fun time actually. It's it's pretty good. Parker will probably never watch it, it because is. it's three and a half. Hours I, I, I mean, still. it's yes, yeah, three and a half hours. That's a big ask of anybody. Yeah. But like, it turns out Oliver Stone is like pretty good at this making movies. Thing. Yeah, I'll, I have to give him credit. Unlike for Michael Bay. Uh, sure, well. hope that he doesn't come up later. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, uh, what did you watch? Um. Okay. So last week. Um. As, you know, loyal fans of the program will know, I was talking about how much I loved The uh, Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. And as we watched the remainder of the series uh, that held strong for me, I was like, this is great. I like this more than Hill House. And having had a week to stew on it, I hate it more every day. <laughs> so, <sighs> I think the first two episodes are maybe my two favorite episodes of, like, either series. Um just really sets the ambiance well like it's got some super creepy kids you don't really know what's going on it's very spooky there's a lot of like out of focus stuff in the background that could be a ghost or could be like a pillar for like a staircase or something you know it's got it's got all the right like it hits all the check marks for spooky shit and then like the more time i've had to think about this like this fucking universe doesn't make any sense 
And if there's one thing that I hate, loyal listeners, <laughs> it is a universe where the continuity is not clear. Mm-hmm. Because it's just one of those things. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of ghosts. And some of them can do this. And other ones can't. And then these ghosts can do this thing. And then, you know, these ghosts over here, you just don't really see them until they come up for, like, a story-relevant reason. And they disappear. And then it's like, okay, cool. This just... Uh, like, it's... The ambiance is great. Like, the the main plot is cool. I kind of had some of the same issues with the first season. Where, like... Remember, like, one of the... okay. So, spoilers for Haunting of Hill House. If you haven't watched it, then fast forward, like, 15 seconds. But, like, you guys remember, like, one of the big plot points was, like, the the dad telling his oldest son, like, no, you have seen ghosts. You remember when you talked about all those people that came to fix the clock? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, they weren't real. They were ghosts. Like, and how that was, like, a huge reveal in that show. Yeah. But also, there was zero payoff. Like, it was just like, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. Right. And it has no further plot relevance. There's a lot of that. Oh. And... Uh, like I almost don't want to say that because like the journey is a lot of fun like it was one of those things where like I was just like let's keep watching let's keep watching let's keep watching because I wanted to get to the end and then we got to the end and I was like damn I'm kind of disappointed but like some very creepy kids some very creepy atmosphere a lot of really good shit I would say like episodes 6 through 9 there's some good stuff in there I've heard a couple people say they think that the eighth episode of that season is the best of any of the two series and it's its own like in its own right it's a very spooky very cool ghost story it's very sepia you know you see a lot of old shit going on and and what's going through some of these ghost minds Mm -hmm. and that's awesome but also like you take it in the context of the series like i just i felt really like i felt like there there were a lot of loose ends that were never tied up and the things that were tied up just did not feel like they had continuity between them and it really bothered me but i'm gonna try not to think about it anymore until parker watches it and we talk about it for like 30 minutes but uh um oh no yeah that was the dryer (laughs) anyway um (laughs) yeah i forgot that was running it's a stanley Uh, cup alarm the period's over yeah sudden uh... death (laughs) (laughs) time to get shoved in a locker motherfucker anyway um (laughs) No, I finally watched the second season of What We Do in the Shadows, which we watched in one sitting, because it is excellent. Uh, It was basically basically everything I was hoping it would be. I very much enjoyed it. Some very quality pop culture reference in there that if somebody watches this in three or four years, they just will not understand, because who the fuck cares about Borat? Also, you know, don't don't talk about next week's episode. We want to surprise them. But, uh... (laughs) um, No, I, I had I had a ton of fun with it. I, I think that uh that series is incredibly well written. If you haven't seen the f- the movie or the first season, like do yourself a favor, go in that order. If you don't like the movie, you can stop because uh Chris, as we know, you are not a Taika Waititi fan. So uh... Uh, I don't know. I could probably be uh you could twist my arm to it because I really liked um uh Jojo Rabbit and I couldn't really get into the third uh Thor movie. But, uh, did you did you watch What We Do in the Shadows? I have movie? not seen any What We Do in the Shadows, so I should probably get on that. You, uh, like, honestly, if you're trying to ch- choose between that and some French movie about sexual assault, <laughs> like, please, just, like, do us I'll all keep a favor. it in mind. Like, just, you know, next time you've got, you know, that binary choice. Right, yeah. You know, just, I just want to put it out there. Um... I watched, uh, I watched something new on Hulu this week, a, uh, a short little mockumentary 
called uh, John Bronco, which I think Chris is also extremely up your alley. So basically, the entire thing, it's like a, it's a fake documentary about this fake spokesman for the Ford Bronco named John Bronco, that who's like this, you know, kind of like stupid dude who is played by Walton Goggins. All right, I'm in. fantastic, as yeah, he is in everything. Yeah. Chris, what if I told you there was a prominent Doug Flutie cameo in My this? dad has the same birthday as him. Holy shit. I know what we're going to do for his birthday, which is coming up, the go. 23rd. No, it's it's like thirty five minutes long. Oh. It's it's a lot. I, of fun. Yeah, like, this might I, actually I, be our thing. I heard the premise of this and was like, I'm really excited to watch like a, a hundred minute movie about this. I saw it was thirty eight minutes, was a little disappointed, but uh, it's pretty good. Like, you get like all this stock footage of like the Bronco and these rally races, and then Walton Goggins pops out and just like says stuff. It's I I, I don't want to I don't want to say too much because like. If you're hearing the description and this sounds like your thing, like, it's on Hulu, it's 35 minutes long, just fucking put it on. Like, you'll enjoy it. It's it's very dumb. Uh, I want to say it's by the same guys that did that HBO, uh, like, mockumentary tennis thing where Orlando Bloom had the prosthetic testicles. But, oh, uh, hell yeah. I think it was good. That It was. I, it's, I'm, like, 90% sure it's the same people, but also I'm not going to, like, clickety-clack on my Lighthouse keyboard to find out. But, um... Yeah, if that sounds up your alley, just watch it. You'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. And now let me get to the thing I really want to talk about. Alpha and Omega. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's sitting there staring I at bet. me. I could have watched tonight. <laughs> Instead, I watched uh, a movie that I could have seen in theaters had I had the bravery to go out into this horrible, cursed world that's out there. A movie starring Russell Crowe called Unhinged. Now. Now. You guys. I know this movie is in our very near future. So, I'm going to do my best to stop somewhere early in this movie and not give too much away. Because, oh my fucking god. You guys. You guys. So, our movie starts. The cold open of this movie is uh, Russell Crowe going into a house and just lighting it on fire and driving it away, as you hear like some lady screaming. What? This dude's unhinged! I... <laughs> it was funny, because, like, you know, he's walking out of the house very slowly and menacingly to his truck, and I got up to go make popcorn, and my girlfriend goes, like, you want me to pause it? I'm like, no, he's just gonna walk to his truck and the, the opening credits are gonna roll. And she goes, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. So I start popping the popcorn, and then I hear the opening credits music start. And the opening credits of this movie is just a montage of uh, news broadcasts that are just like, oh, yeah, you know, random acts of violence are on the rise, and da-da-da-da-da. So it's like, all right, I'm, like, rubbing my hands together, like, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere with this. We meet our main character, our heroine, who um, we find out, you know, she wakes up on the couch. We find out she's going through a divorce. Her husband wants the house. She's got to get one of her kids to school. Her older son is just, you know, a dick and, like, hiding her stuff, trying to get the younger kid there. There's a lot of traffic. While she's in traffic, she gets a call from an appointment that she has, like a hair appointment. It's like, hey, you're going to be late? Oh, you're fired. I don't want to work. I don't work with you. So she's, like, really upset. She gets off this exit ramp. She peels off it. The light turns green at the end of the exit, and this big truck in front of her just doesn't move. And it doesn't move. And she's honking the horn. She's honking the horn. He won't go. Light turns yellow. She just, like, speeds around and goes off. 
gets stuck in more traffic. He pulls up next to her and goes, you know, you could have done a, a courtesy tap. You know what courtesy tap is? And you just, you know, tap on it a little bit, you know. So, you know, I would have known that you need me to move. She's very heated, so she won't apologize for not doing it. Naturally, Russell Crowe is driving the truck and proceeds to harass and or kill every person in her life for the next 65 minutes. What the minutes. fuck? No now, way. <laughs> what the fuck? I kind of thought this was going to be like a Death Wish sort of thing, you know? So I'm going to go through the first two kills of this movie, and I'm going to stop right there. I think that's the appropriate way to do this. And then I'm going to give you one tidbit about the end of it. Maybe two tidbits. We'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling. So anyway, this guy's like fucking with her. He cuts her off. There's like, wow, what an asshole. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. You know, they move on. They stop to get gas. The truck pulls into the gas station behind them as she's in the store paying for it. She tells the clerk and the other guy in there, like, hey, this guy's like road rage at me. He's been following me. Can you guys like take down his license plate just in case anything happens? Like, whatever. So like the guy that's in there is like, yeah, sure. Walks out with her. Walks around to the back, comes around to the front, repeats the license plate to her, goes, hey, like, it's cool, I got you. So she drives off, and the guy's like, hey, man, come on, just just go home, like, it's cool, don't worry about it. So Russell Crowe runs him over in broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the next scene. The woman is trying to find her phone in the car. Can't find it, can't find it anywhere. Like, where's my phone? Ends up getting a call from a different phone that's there. It's Russell Crowe, who's like, hey, I got your phone, as he drives up next to her and, like, waves it at her. How does this happen when her kid is in the car? Unclear? Don't worry about it. Not important. What is important is that he goes through her phone and finds out she's supposed to meet her divorce divorce lawyer for brunch at, like, 11. So he goes there, and he's like, hey, yeah, she can't make it. Oh, wow, I can't reach her. That's so weird. Can you get a hold of her? Yeah, sure. Calls her, you know, he's like... I got your friend right here. Who the fuck is this guy? And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, he's just, you know, he's my old friend. You know, he's the voice lawyer. He's like, yeah, you want to hear him die on the phone? And so we cut back, and it's the fucking McPoyle, who is just being no. bludgeoned to death in this diner. <laughs> and, like, this movie is just like, oh, so he's crazy. And then Russell Crowe gets on the phone. He's like, yeah, you're fucking this guy, aren't you? And she's like, no, no, he's married. Why would he say, yeah, it doesn't stop anybody, huh? Which is the point that I realized that this is a dude's rock movie. Oh, great. <laughs> because, holy shit. He fucking stabs McPoyle to death in the middle of the diner at, like, minute 25. <laughs> well, it doesn't exactly sound like a feel-good movie just, here. <laughs> it just I escalates. I feel great, actually. It escalates from there. Now, I am going to skip over the second and third acts of this movie because we will be covering them in depth very soon. But what you do need to know is that in the third act, they're trying to get a cop's attention on the highway who was just immediately run over by a steamroller driven by some other driver. <laughs> and also, as the movie ends, you get a cover of Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, fuck yes! <laughs> that is your credit song. What I'm trying to say to anyone who has not seen this movie, and it is available on Tour Insights now, if you are a filthy pirate, is that this is 11 out of 10. And if you would like to be prepared for next week's episode by watching this ahead of time, do your homework, ladies and gentlemen. This movie fucking rules. It is so incredibly good. Parker, how do the words check off scissors make you feel? Man, I just got a full body chill. <laughs> Parker, 
What if I told you a character may or may not get lit on fire and then pushed at a police officer? <laughs> oh my god, dude. I cannot fucking wait. Like, I knew this movie was going to be stupid. I was worried it was just going to be a Liam Neeson movie with Russell Crowe. Right. And instead I got the best movie I've seen since Serenity. Do you know like when you're a kid and you're like, oh, I wish I could just go to sleep for like a week and then wake up on Christmas. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. <laughs> Wish I could just wake up seven days from now and talk about it. <laughs> Dude. I cannot wait. This movie. I am, like, honestly, I'm restraining myself from talking about so much more that happens in this. Because, dear fucking god, this movie is so good. I'm so amped up just thinking about it right now. I'm about to start pacing. It is so much better. Had I realized this movie was this good... I would have done what Chris did this week and gone to a theater three months ago and just sat there with my little bucket of popcorn and laughed like a fucking idiot to myself because, oh my fucking god, you guys. <laughs> I have never needed to tell somebody about a movie so badly. Like, dear fucking god, it's so good. We're going to do the Lord's yeah. work next week. <laughs> I feel it. You remember the movie we thought we were getting when we saw that Cold Pursuit right. trailer? God, well, don't remind me. It's that, but better. <laughs> anyway, Parker. Cold pursuit, but better. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> really went on that. I though, mean, right? what do you put it that way? <laughs> so you said the cold pursuit that's trailer, like, but better. Okay. That's like all of the English and Asian movies that Chris watched right, this yeah. week. So. <laughs> so every baby knows a secret baby language from birth. <laughs> So previously on Baby Geniuses, as I learned in the prologue, Big Baby and his father, Beauregard Berger, are in fucking prison. Parker, this this movie makes a little bit more sense if you like watch the movies that came out previous. Does it? No. Because this movie opens with a baby and a fat guy just locked in a fucking Magneto prison in the Arctic. Was the baby trying to score a goal? Uh, you know, hopefully we find out what the roll of the dice later. <laughs> no. <laughs> Moving on. So Big Baby and Big Daddy are broken out of prison. And then we go to China. I went through the pyramid, <laughs> faced my fears, took a wrong turn in Albuquerque, and ended up with the Big Babies. And we go to fucking China. And there's, I remember Chris Watchall, he's like, didn't Chris say something about this movie? And then John Boyd <laughs> walks on screen dressed like a fucking bottle of soy sauce. It's the most racist thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, me, someone who just spent his entire adolescence just ironically shitposting racism on 4chan, is just looking at the screen slackjaw like... You- you can't get this. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? It's a racist baby this trading like game. F- like this isn't a fucking rage face <laughs> meme. Like it's this is four babies. Like hey, check this out. Angelina <laughs> Jolie's dad dressed like a Chinese man. Because like that's the whole thing. It's this disguise. So it's like yeah, hey, we can put up all these silly racist outfits. Plural. So, we'll get so there. which was your favorite voice from John Voight? 
This fucking me Chinese me play joke voice is so offensive. Parker, did you like his Yoda impression? <laughs> no. You know how much it takes for a movie to offend me? <laughs> God damn it. Because he's just standing there fucking dressed like a Chinese Doctor Strange talking to a toddler. It's so fucked up, dude. It shouldn't be happening. Well, the toddler's a genius. He can understand nuance. Yeah, I mean, as we know, the babies know the secrets of the universe, and they all talk but in their do they know language. the treasures of Egypt? Uh, we'll get there. Neither the is the Parker. No. I keep going for the treasures, and instead I get to watch a bunch of fucking Sean McVeigh's walk around China trying to fucking steal a treasure or something. There's like three different movies in here. It's a go-to country. Beauregard Burger <laughs> Big Baby Steal Treasure from Said Country Big Baby Babies f- <laughs> The largest babies in the NFL <laughs> the Tennessee fly in there bigger like, than the big babies <laughs> <laughs> They fly into the country and then either John Void is a racist caricature or just someone who's actually foreign is like Hi, welcome, we have many customs here Let's do a really racist dance. And then they go find Big Baby and Beauregard Burger and then retrieve the items. Now, Parker, I was wondering, no, I will how not did you feel it. about all the special effects? Oh, it was good. <laughs> it's real good, man. It's primo green screen. It's cool just seeing a green screen worse than literally any Twitch streamer has right now. It's good stuff. So I was told there was a pyramid, and instead we're just fucking, we're dicking around in China. We're having so much fun. Um, we're talking about Chinese rice, and Beauregard Burger <laughs> fucks up the whole heist again. <laughs> and after 20 minutes of just dicking around in China, which, again, there are no pyramids in China. Yeah, sure? I don't know. We go to India to steal a ruby, because that's what those fucking dirty Indians have in my right movie. They got those rubies. So we teleport there, right? Yeah. And uh, and there's, there's just like a birthday party for like 20 minutes for it's, one of the guys. <laughs> there's, they had a birthday. Come on, do you expect them not to celebrate, you Grinch? Yeah, and, come on, come on. He's just a little guy and it's his birthday. Beauregard Burger shows up dressed like Colonel Sanders to steal the ruby back. <laughs> ah, yes, very inconspicuous in yeah, India. That seems normal. <laughs> It could have been worse. This could have been Jim Barney. So at minute 53 of 75, we get to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a fun thing to do. In both Egypt and India, the person that they meet is just a taxi driver. Because, hey, go fuck yourself. That's what all them smelly Indians do, right? They just drive taxis. We hear a real deal. It's the only deal. job you can have. Hey, I did not write... I don't even know the title of this movie. I just wrote Baby Geniuses Egypt. I'm assuming it's something like that. I think it's better. So this movie does a real switcheroo on you. So they go to China, and you get John Voight just, man. Yeah, really, this one's... Really pulling pull a classic John Wayne move on This one's this. a little bit, uh... Oh. And then in the second one, they go to India. And like I said, they teleport into a taxi cab. You they, figure it out how they fly into space and land in a taxi cab. They're They developed the technology. Try to follow the movie. Yeah, haven't you heard tax- of Elon Musk? <laughs> it's like that, but younger. Maybe this is like the love child, the and, love uh, children of him and Grimes, who is really a very good corner for Miami when you think about it. 
Shut the fuck <laughs> up. I'm waiting for my jersey, Christopher. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so there's a lady taxi driver, because again, that's literally the entire representation of India is driving a taxi and then someone blows into a flute and does makes a snake dance. I shit you not. <laughs> it's like Haji. So the taxi driver's like, hey, it just does the fucking Wayne's World just five minute info dump and then they leave and then she peels off her face to reveal that she is in fact John Void underneath. <laughs> which makes me think that like he wanted to dress up like Look, I'll put on the silly Fu Manchu, but I will not dress like a lady to like fine we'll hire someone. This is an American actors. movie, man. Does he look so British not a British movie. <laughs> exactly. So they swervy there is like, oh he didn't put on a racist costume, it was just someone else under a mask. And then we get to Egypt. And oh, he no. walks into frame with that fucking shoe polish and mustache <laughs> on. <laughs> I could not believe the voice that he said. It is the most offensive thing I've ever seen in my life. Why does John Voight keep coming back Beauregard, to like Burger and Big Baby are thwarted by blackface. Listen, Chris, I th- feel like I can answer your question. He's probably banned from Xbox Live. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah, you know, he keeps coming back for the opportunity to dress up as racist caricatures. <laughs> I got some more ideas for your movie. <laughs> some more exotic locations. Why I got T-Babies Halo 4 again, and uh, it made me think, you know. <laughs> why would the babies go to Kenya? <laughs> like, I'm working on a new bit. That's <laughs> It's... It is so fucking disgusting like there's three segments two segments involve John Voight doing something extremely racist and then the middle segment someone's birthday party <laughs> thanks for nothing I mean don't don't thank me thank yourself for failing the pyramid yeah. <laughs> I failed I blame the challenge. Anubis I failed myself <laughs> 75 minutes that fucking thank you come again as voices will stay with me the rest of my life, dude. That's all, folks. <laughs> Is this the one that ends with, like, they go back to the baby's house or something, and they got that nanny who's trying to prove that they're actually baby geniuses, but she can't catch them watching... Yeah, drinking Coronas she, on the porch. She can't catch them watching Rick and Morty when the parents walk in. <laughs> Correct. That's because that, that show has uh, jokes that are only for adults. <laughs> Rick and Morty speak the language of all super <laughs> So, thanks. Again. Love a dub dub. Thank me. Thank the pyramids of Egypt. <laughs> Our thank ancestors. You, Egypt. <laughs> thank you to my jerk of the week, Egypt. <laughs> the place, the concepts, the mythology. I'm over all of it. And, uh, well, since we're already about almost an hour and a half in, let me just highlight one movie that I watched last night that, Alex, I just... I'm gonna need you to watch this movie. I'm listening. It's called The Cleansing Hour. It's on Shudder. And it's about these guys that run, like, a... It's not Twitch, obviously, because it's, like, a low-budget thing. But they run a web show wherein they do exorcisms. So already you you should be on board with this. Oh, already torning it. So, like, you see these people doing these fake exorcisms, because obviously they're fake, 
And then in the chat, you just see MAGA and MILFHUNTER69 spamming the chat while he's exercising the demon out of this woman's body. And, like, the entire show has, like, this incredible Mind Freak-level intro for it. Fuck yes. And then, of course, like, an actual demon comes in. And, like, it hits a point where, like, okay, fuck, now we're going. And it's pretty good for a while. And then you hit, like, the last five to ten minutes, and it's just an immediate, like... 11 out of 10. It takes <laughs> so many stupid fucking fantastic turns in the end. I want to ruin them all desperately, but I know that Demon Hunter Twitch show, like, you're going to watch it, so we'll just talk about it in a couple weeks. It's like, gonna be a struggle to put this on at 2pm tomorrow. Just like, no, it's cool, we'll just close the curtains, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It was recommended to me, and I was like, oh yeah, I see what he's talking about. And then, like, this this switch happens, and it's immediately like, oh, I'm going to think about this movie and laugh for, like, the next three days. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> and then, yeah, the rest can... It's a lot of rewatches and shit. That's fine. We're already on half in. I can talk about it next week. All right. Because it's sudden death. Sudden death? Sudden death! Sudden death. <laughs> sudden death. Okay. So... So uh, sudden death. First of all, have you guys seen the cover for this movie? Like the poster, it looks like the ultimate VHS cover art. Like Parker, remember we you, you saw those uh, pictures of like the guy who built his own VHS store in his basement? Like this would be the oh, yeah. prominent one, the holy grail you put under like a thing of glass. So uh, I I just really like that cover. It just seems so like a very Jean Claude Van Damme thing. It's. It looks like the cover of, like, The Goonies if it wasn't for babies. Hey. Anyway, so the movie begins with Backdraft, and, uh... Dude. <laughs> Listen. The opening of this fucking movie. I do not want to talk about Backdraft. Okay, we won't talk about Backdraft. Instead, we'll talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, if you haven't seen it... Uh, well, <laughs> so Jean-Claude Van Damme is a firefighter, and he finds a little girl trapped underneath, like... I don't know, like a pillar or something like that. And uh, he goes into the burning house and he like he tries to save her. He's like, ah, I need help, ah, help me. And like his friends come and help him out too late and the girl dies. And he gets fired for his friends being too slow to help him. <laughs> this movie ends with our hero accidentally murdering a child and getting shit canned. <laughs> what a powerful start to a movie. Because I just watched this like a couple weeks ago and like, Okay, yeah, he's like a fire marshal or something. I forgot the cold open is just a yeah. dead kid and then it's, jump forward. It's not even just that it's a dead kid because the second scene is him showing up and like, hey, my children, I have tickets to game seven. <laughs> and the, his fucking ex-wife going like, yeah, you can't just show up and take them to game seven of the Stanley Cup finals because uh, we're going out to dinner tonight. <laughs> and like the fucking stepdad has to intervene and be like, yeah, but it's game seven. It's also, you, I, I want to hold on. I want to intervene here. Just one thing that was really important is after the dead kid and before the two living kids, there's just a, the that black screen with the white words that say two years later, game day." <laughs> yeah, we have to save her. Jump cut. Oh, Dad, you're working again. That's great. And clearly, it has been a difficult yeah, two yeah. years for we, We've learned everything we need to learn about them. This wife is just sick and tired of the accent. Also, the dead kid. So he's like, yeah, we'll take uh, my kids to this game. I'd like to focus on the son for a second, who I initially thought was the fat kid from Kazam and Free Willy. 
Uh, it turns out it's a different kid. Really? Because I, th- I thought he was the kid from every fucking movie that we've watched that had a kid. That's a good point. It. So it turns out it's, <laughs> it's a different kid, uh, and I can't get a handle on this kid. I, uh, it kind of feels like he both loves and despises his father, and I can't tell which is which. In this scene, it sounds like he, <laughs> this fucking in this kid. scene it sounds like he loves him, and I mean, who wouldn't? Shit, I mean, tickets to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals, and apparently it's local team playing. No wonder he's happy. I I love Jean Claude Van Damme too. Maybe he could teach me some kung fu. But in later scenes, it, it, he might as well be spitting in his father's face. I can explain this kid to you. He loves the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I hated this fucking kid so much. This kid <laughs> oh sucks. yeah, this kid's a dick. He's he's awful, but also, if you break the rules, he right. will for you. Right. He absolutely will. When he's just fucking sitting in the bleachers by himself, like, nope, dad told me not to move. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, I get you, kid. I know. Yeah, who you exactly. Are. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, we smash cut to uh, two of the terrorists, our introduction to them. They give a love tap, much like in uh, Unhinged. And uh, <laughs> they uh, they get out of there. The guy gets out and he's like, hey, what the hell? You, you gave my car a love tap. What if I was unhinged and killed your entire family? And they get out like, hey, have you seen our missing dog? The guy says no. And then they wow, murder the two really guys. So I don't know if they ever found their missing dog. <laughs> yeah, okay, me too. Dude. Uh, actually, I want to. Sorry, just uh, immediately just in on this movie in the first like yeah. ten oh, minutes. Oh yes. Oh, how can it's, you not? Be? It's yeah. so quick. So, oh, we should talk oh, about shit. their. Uh, let's. Oh, I want to talk real quick about their uh, sign language, which is a recurring motif throughout this movie. Uh, the little girl is practicing her sign language. She learned how to say "I love you" in sign language, which is like the easiest fucking thing you can do, and. I have to admit, her brother has a really good uh, rejoinder to which he says, uh, yeah, she's practicing how to be deaf. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that and went, oh, 1995, yeah. I love you. But anyway, like, their dad it's... is a, well, he's not, he's not a fireman anymore. He Now he's just, uh, I guess he's a security guard for the Penguins Arena. Now he's a Jets fan. <laughs> I guess he's... Yeah. You're welcome, there Josh. We go. You gotta give him something. <laughs> something for the birthday boy. Uh, now I guess he's just a security guard uh, who looks like a cop for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins arena. And uh, he's able to acquire two tickets to Game 7 for his two little kids while he's working that night. So he can be there. His kids can just watch him without parental supervision. Something might go wrong. Um... <clears throat> But, you know, there are certain perks. Well, the thing is, nobody in the great state of Pennsylvania has ever gotten too drunk and thrown anything at anyone. Well, so. no. I mean, what, what person, what prominent figure in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, in fact, history, has ever got too drunk and done anything with a kid? So here's the thing you need to know about Pennsylvania. It's the Quaker state, <laughs> and they're very uh, they're very anti-violence, and they would never throw batteries at anybody. Right, so. yeah. They, they know better than that in the great state. Chris, you went to school there. You can. You're an expert on Pennsylvania. Let's hear about it. It smells. So anyway, he gets. Uh, it's kind of like backstage passes. They're going around like Wayne and Garth showing off their backstage passes to everyone. They're like, let's go into the locker room and look at nude men. And uh, they get in there, and I kept searching their locker room for Kevin James, and I couldn't find him. So I guess he was too good. It's weird how they make it. To yeah, the I know. <laughs> well, apparently they're goalie, and I actually wrote this one down because like. 
this, this is incredible. It, it comes a little bit later in the movie, but their starting goalie, I don't remember if it was Trevino or something, Tristino, Tostito, he goes out into the ice and says, and their starting goalie, who has a temperature of 104 degrees, but he's going to play through it. <laughs> That's when you start having hallucinations. <laughs> That's when you start going around the country doing political rallies. <laughs> like, fucking 104 degrees, and he's going to play through it, because he's hurt, not injured. To be fair, dirt in it. that is the most hockey thing I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, true, but his Honestly. brain's melting and out of his ear. <laughs> but then again, as a prominent when character hockey says players in this movie, ever need you brains. don't need to think it's hockey. <laughs> hockey is such a convenient backdrop for such a stupid yes, movie. Yes, it is. Because, like, I, holy fuck, hockey I'm, is just, like, a sport populated by dumb people. Yeah. It's the perfect one to do, because, like... It looks like a real movie because you get actual like players and yep. teams and everything, but it's it's a small sport. They're like, yeah, whatever, it gives a shit. They can say whatever they want. You will never get a movie that uses like NFL teams where you can just have the players act like real human beings and not just talk about the shield. <laughs> Parker, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, in the uh, the the first uh, the first period of this hockey game, because hockey you see has three periods. Why three periods? No one knows. But in the first period of this hockey game, they mention one Yarmir Yager. They mention him a lot. Was a player that, sorry, that uh, you know, was actually a, a player in the league in 1995, and wouldn't you know it, is still active today in his late yeah, 40s. Yeah, that is weird. weird, dude. I love. Him. <laughs> he he came into the league in 1988, Jesus. so he's been playing hockey professionally longer than I have been alive. <laughs> And yeah, just the, the king hearing hearing the name Yager in this movie from 1995 and like realizing like oh fuck that guy's still like, that guy's like still kicking around and like googling to make sure that like I wasn't like misrepresenting this like that is that's like, the thing that makes me feel he was old. on my team in like the last right. decade see that's the thing is like whenever people say oh did you know Majora's Mask came out 20 years ago yeah it looks like it's 20 years old that that yeah, yeah that never makes shit. me feel old that's like yeah that's Rax. Hearing Yager's name in this movie, I was like, what the fuck? How old am I? I started looking at my hands. The, the man still has a mullet, and I don't have hair. <laughs> like, this movie might as well be in black and white. That's how it made me feel. <laughs> That's, I'm glad that you picked up as every single time. And they said Yager's name a lot, because he was probably pretty good. He's a good he's a good actor. It was it was funny because I just like kept poking my girlfriend and like, babe, 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 he's, he's very old. Like I just I I was trying to explain it to her and then she would look at me and go, Why do they keep talking about game seven? Why does the seventh game matter? And I was like, Oh my god. Then she pointed at the she pointed at Jean Claude No, she pointed at Powers Booth and she was like, That guy's unhinged. You're like, it only works for the other movie, babe. Come on. She she asked me if it was the guy that voiced Kronk. It's that's okay, that's a fair answer. I said no. Look, come on. I, it, there's it, worse it is, there's is, worse yeah. jumps you can make. I know. That's that's okay. We're we, like is is now the time for the powers move conversation? Uh, hold up, because... hold up. Let me check here. Okay, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay, before we get there, I want to talk about the vice president. He goes into the owner's box to watch the game, and uh, he says, "Well, I hope it's a great game. Great if we win, not so great if we lose." And everyone around there kind of laughs at that. I want to be vice president because people just laugh at my bullshit. So here is the biggest problem with this movie, and I'm glad that you immediately pivoted from powers booth to the vice president. The vice president and Powers Booth roles should be shift like like switched, right? 
I don't know. Like, I really like Powers the, Booth. The vice this. president. The vice president is so sleazy, and Powers Booth is so presidential that like. I almost feel like it's a miscast. Yeah, but then you get like, a really different movie. Sure, and like Powers Booth is great yes. in this role because like th- this is like one of the best bad guys in this kind of movie ever. It's like up there with the the bad guy in Air mm-hmm. Force One, like. And th- that's the movie that I think of when I watch this every time because I've seen this probably like seven or eight yeah. times now. Like, Air Force One and this are like almost companion movies in a way. Like, just the way that like you know, not even ignoring the plot stuff, just the way that the the terrorist and the uh, the presidential type figure interact. Like, I think that uh, they're very similar in that way. Uh, there's no get off my plane in this movie, <laughs> although. God, oh, they're fucking we came close. close, but yeah, but uh, my rig. no power. Powers Booth is incredibly powerful in this. He is so fucking good. Like this and his role as the vice president twenty four are like to me like one A and one B in the Powers Booth pantheon. It's pretty good in Tombstone. As... Yeah. Also true, but like you know how I feel about yeah. twenty four. Like <laughs> fanning yeah. myself. Parker Tombstone is still um, in your future. Um. Have you not seen it? Yeah, he hasn't seen it. Right uh, yeah, the pizza. <laughs> anyway, let's let's just Thank move you. on here. Yeah, move on. So yeah. <laughs> that shithead little kid and the adorable little girl get into a fight. That kid, it's such a little fucking prick. Why does he have to treat his sister like that? What's his fucking deal? Well, I so, would send this kid home right. immediately. Like, like fuck you. There's, so there's someone sitting tickets. next to him. Just grab him by the skull and throw him onto the ice. Exactly. Let Yager sort him out. I just, uh, you know, you say Yager. I think, Yager, you know, the this is Peter Hyams movie. If th- throw him into the next, uh... <laughs> throw, him into, feels, huh? <laughs> throw him into the next Peter Hyams movie. Throw him into the relic and let's see what happens. Ooh, the relic. Oh my god. So... <laughs> And that's a 2021 episode right. for sure. So uh, the little girl retreats to the bathroom and she comes across. By the way, there was a, a beautiful blonde woman who was set to play Icy, a.k.a. Iceberg, the penguin mascot. I don't know. Is that like a thing? If I was a Yinzer, maybe I'd get it. Uh, anyway, the the mascot is really responding. The girl opens up like the middle stall and there's a bloody body in there and Iceberg, the penguin mascot, has to stuff the bloody body back into the uh, the toilet stall and that scene is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> don't mind me, child. I'm just a cartoon mouse. <laughs> this movie owns because as it unfolds, you realize... This is the worst plane in history, and why there are a hundred people on this mission. <laughs> it's so fucking convoluted. It's it, like it's so cool because like the plan is just like batshit stupid, but also the entire movie takes place in one building, which for this kind of movie where you have you know this terrorist organization that's trying to do its thing and a guy that's trying to stop them, containing it like that makes it so much more effective. It's just like. Oh fuck! The period's counting down. Like, is he gonna defuse the bombs in time? Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Dude, I cannot believe how many times it. Cut right? Yeah, every single time. It's like they're still playing. There was absolutely a bazooka <laughs> explosion outside, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, let's go!" Nineteen seconds left. And just like every time there was a bazooka explosion, they like, cut the announcer. Be like, "Yeah, wow, this crowd's really wild. You can't hear anything in here. <laughs> it's so like, loud in here." Part of me. 
Like there'll be a huge like action scene. Like fuck yeah, and they're like, oh shit, they tied it up. <laughs> so uh, the thing about I, I know I criticize Ronda Rousey and Gina Carano, but I praise Michelle Rodriguez. Tell you what, I'll give credit to another woman who can do action scenes. The mascot. We should put her in more Fast and Furious movies because she kicks the shit out of Jean Claude Van Damme. The scene <laughs> fucking owns so it hard. Really does. The mascot kitchen fight. It felt like oh something out of the raid. <laughs> raid two. It's so and, and she dies so brutally. <laughs> and like it's so we need to be clear for. about this. Like this fight is super intense and super dope. She dies by being run through the uh, industrial dishwasher, which is hilarious. And then the next scene in this kitchen is Jean-Claude Van Damme coming in with like the stadium cops to be like no, I definitely killed a lady in this kitchen. Where did she go? And to be clear, like this is not like a tease. This lady never comes right, back. Yeah. She's dead. She's very dead. It's just that somebody hid her body. But the whole setup is like, yo, but I killed a lady in here. Like, where did she go? And like, you're expecting it to lead to something, but it doesn't because this movie is too much right, to do. Right, yeah, this movie's very busy, <laughs> shall we say. There are so many breadcrumbs in like why is he telling this guy that he used to play goalie oh no oh, <laughs> oh we're, we're gonna yeah. get to that yeah, come on best part of the we movie. will but like uh, we could we never go outside to this scene. movie's danny glover it's not danny glover but it's the movie's danny glover he's like you know the police guy and he's in charge of protecting the vice president at all costs and everything like that and an assistant counselor's like sir i think there's something you have to you have to see Drives him over to the stadium, and out comes a dead guy on a rogue Zamboni that crashes into their car. <laughs> this is did you have to park it there? You knew because... it was going to happen. You led him over there. Okay, hold on. We need to back. This hey, up check this shit out. Completely missed the scene. We've completely missed the scene where the random cars in the parking lot blow up as the the agents are running. Oh yeah, I forgot them, about that. Which is before this somehow. <laughs> Don't ask me the chronology of this movie, because right. it makes yeah. no this fucking movie... sense. Don't ask me why we have ten minutes of this dude just going to this old lady's house so she can call her husband Giuseppe the <laughs> Chef or whatever. <laughs> Giuseppe the Chef. So Chef Boyardee's we... like, ah, boo we gotta get the stuff up to the suite. And then they kill her anyway. And... She gave the guy Fig Newtons. <laughs> like, I watched this a couple weeks ago, so this time I'm like, act, like paying extra attention so we can talk about it. And he realized, like, why is the chef the last line of defense between the presidential suite? <laughs> like, hey, uh, hey, just have you know this guy? Yes. All right, send him up to the vice president. <laughs> How is that the secret it's, service? It's not even just that. It's like the fact that every time that, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is, uh, let's say, near the ice to not spoil things for the future, and they look up at the suite, and the vice pres- presidential logo is just above the suite, and these tinted windows in the fucking... Pittsburgh Penguins arena that all of a sudden has a uh, retracting roof somehow. Oh, yeah, that's just it. like the Pittsburgh Penguins arena. I didn't watch this with any Pittsburgh fans. I'm glad I didn't. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to them uh, quite shortly. Uh, so the movie is Danny Glover. Yes, we will. Is, I believe at some point he's revealed as a double agent. Turns out he's working with the terrorists. And, uh, and by the way, what draft of the script did that get changed in? Because this makes no right, fucking exactly. sense at all. Right. The whole, maybe I just fell he for He sends it. like 300 people to their death. <laughs> like, oh, actually, I was with them the whole time. Why did you send all these people if you knew they were going to get headshotted? 
You know that guy is a yeah. rocket launcher. Ah, uh, yes, this man in the penguin's jacket is just showing up in the second period of this, you know, game seven of the NHL You know, the other thing that... Fu- of course. You know, he's a big the fan. The other thing that fucking gets me about this movie is that uh, Powers Booth, it says that they're going to get one point, was it, $1.7 billion? And the guy says, no, literally, we can't transfer the money that fast. That's not the way that money works or banks work or the U.S. government works or how I work. He's like, oh, you'll find a way, you know, that sort of stuff. And then the guy says, look, you're not going to get all the money anyway. That's not really how the thing works. It's like, yeah, I know. We're going to lose out on $500 billion. Why the fuck are you doing this? I want to pay off my American Express card. No, don't give me jokes. Powers, you got to give me an answer here. (laughs) Mr. Booth, we are 75 minutes in. Give me something. You've killed a lot of people. He's funny. He's great. He's really good. I heard heard that these babies secured the treasures of the pyramids of Egypt. (laughs) I think at some point he says that he works in the counterfeit money industry, which... He, he's Correct. got enough clothes on that he's making a, a significant amount of money. He's like, yeah, but you can't spend it. Stop with the damn jokes. What are you doing this for? Okay, look. The the line, like, it pays well, but you can't spend it. It's, it's a good really line. Good. Yes, it's a very it good is. line. It's really I just good. want to know what his motivation is. I've watched this twice. I still don't know why yeah. he's so mad. I think he just yeah. wants money. But also... Just fucking shoot the vice president. Yeah, I think, it doesn't matter. No, it's no, not I, a real thing. Like, like, I literally think his thing is like, there's all these holes in the security system, so I'm just going to steal stuff. And it's like, you know, like when I used to work at Target and just steal mango smoothies every night because oh, you know, there's naughty. no cameras there. I'm just going uh, to drink a smoothie. Ooh, I could go for a smoothie. You can stop me. Yeah. Anyway. This case of monsters did it by <laughs> itself, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. What's that, Walmart? No one's looking receipts again because he got all this Okay, COVID so we going have to give here. respect to yeah. Pittsburgh fans, as we so often do on this podcast. So the Danny Glover of this movie is like, oh, I have a great, I've got a great idea. I'll stay, I'll steal that shithead kid that no one likes and bring him by. I'll bring him up to the owner's box, and uh, then I can. Yeah, I'm gonna take him out in I the ocean take, like, and make him uh, Dan ride Dan a longboard. He'll be like, you know, attractive to come up here. <laughs> so he comes up there. It's like, hey, kid, want to come in my van with all the candy and ice cream? And uh, a Yinzer is sitting a couple seats away from him. And goes, hey, down in front. It's like, okay, yeah, just talk, try to talk to this kid here. Would you like to uh, tell me what his hat says? <laughs> what does his hat say? It says, Puckhead. <laughs> Dude, I love that game with the old art and everything. Jeez, it was great. <laughs> Lord, take me back to 1995. I'm begging you. Do you think I we can get like... that hat and put it with like the Garfield phone? <laughs> You think we can get that hat and wear it yes. around Josh and he can get mad that, you know, people used items in hockey in 1995? <laughs> <laughs> Was that a stretch? Yes. Do I care? No. Nah, I'm not cutting it. Anyway, uh, it just it just feels like drunken Pittsburgh fans are saving the end of the day, like New Yorkers in Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you mess with the hey, penguins? Mess with the penguins. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, guys. <laughs> So Jean-Claude Van Damme learns that uh, Danny Glover, equivalent, is a double agent. So he ignites him. (laughs) He burns him alive. Also, that's how you know this was like a late change. Because, like, they have their interaction. And he's like, ha, hello, Powers Booth. I also am one of your guys. He's alone. Okay, bye. And then she gets murdered next. But more importantly, this happens after the hockey scene. <laughs> Forgot we about need the to rewind. Scene. We need to talk about the hockey scene. Okay, yeah, we need to talk about the hockey scene. So, 
That guy, first of all, we already knew he was sick. They, we met in the uh, the goalie for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Literally the first time we see him, he's wearing an oxygen mask. He's Pepe yeah. and <clears throat> like. <laughs> so he uh, he's having a rough game. He says, oh, coach, uh, I can't make it. And he just has to go to the locker room. They put in the backup. The backup has a goal. Oh, that's no good. So Jean-Claude Van Damme is hiding from the henchmen. And he sees the guy with his you know breathing mask on. And uh, he's like, ah, a brilliant idea. I'll put his goalie equipment on and I'll go out onto the ice. And no one will it's be not the just wiser. That. It's not just that. Because Jean-Claude Van Damme, who is a <laughs> former goalie in a past life, knows what needs to be done to play goal in the NHL Finals. So he puts on 200 pounds in the locker room and then dresses <laughs> up in the outfit, goes out on the ice and is like, ah, yes, they will not find me out here. And then... The best character in this movie, the Penguins coach, goes like, Get back in the fucking game! <laughs> it's great because the way he says it is like, Alright, do you feel better? And Jean-Claude Van Damme is doing some of the funniest acting he's ever done in his life, just with his eyes, just looking around like, uh, uh, just It just like fucking nods. He's like, Then get the fuck back in the goal! It's like Eustace talking to Courage. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> what do you do sitting what on the bench? Boogity boogity boogity! That's it. I'm getting me whistle. <laughs> I'm like, there are two amazing characters: the coach, and then the there's one guy that works at the stadium. When like Jean Claude Van Damme's talking on the phone, oh, he gets fucking pissed and hurls it at the window because <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Oh, don't worry, they'll come back." <laughs> That guy was that the guy who, when Jean Claude Van Damme knocked on the door, he's like, "Yeah, Bill, ever hear of him? Invented the telephone." I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> that guy loves his job, and I'm happy." For it's him. nice to find someone who likes their job in this movie. So anyway, back to the hockey scene. Jean Claude Van Damme is doing the exact same thing. I played defense in lacrosse, and the number one thing I always said is, "Oh, please stay over there. Please stay on that side." God damn it! God damn it! Okay. <laughs> well, so so our good friend, the best actor in this movie, the coach, is like, get the fuck out of the box! <laughs> so he, he runs out to challenge a shot and gets immediately concussed on the ice. <laughs> but unlike regular concussions, he gains superpowers. It slows down time so it's easier for him to catch the shot. Which, by the way, based on uh, where his glove is, he didn't need to fall down to the ice. <laughs> he could just so, sit, like, stood there and just put it. his puck up like he's fucking squid for rocket power. Him saving the shot is one thing. When they cut to the announcer's booth and they're like, that's the best save I've ever seen! <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Forgot about that. That's gotta be the save the of the season! <laughs> That coach is just the coach from not another team movie. <laughs> Do you think the Chicago's co- the Chicago Blackhawks coach was just the coach from the faculty? Oh, come on! <laughs> just chugging water on the sidelines nonstop. So Jean-Claude Van Damme has a miraculous save, and then I guess he gets the puck out of there. <laughs> got him he's waited two hours I uh I, I, I need this every once in a while anyway the penguins actually uh tie it up to which i, I wrote this down i just want to use this uh quote because i thought it was uh 
something that you need to understand. Uh, the the fucking uh, announcer says, "Stop the press! Stop the press! The Pittsburgh Penguins have tied it up. You'd have to be here to believe it." Actually, that's not true. They they uh, broadcast the game on television, so you could just watch it there. <laughs> Folks, you'll never believe this. A tie game in hockey. <laughs> what the AG double hockey oh, six. You were waiting I'm for gonna that. Put, I'm going to put, come on. I'm going to put, I'm gonna put the pause on this podcast right now. If this were a game seven of the, the NHL finals, you know who the sideline reporter would have been in 1995? No. Wow! Back, 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 back into the goal. Oh, he saves oh, yeah, it. Nobody circles the goal like the. Pittsburgh Penguins! I, I forgot to mention that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, after he saves that goal, takes off his helmet and... Uh, no, maybe he keeps it off. Wait, does he take it off? Or does he... he takes off the gloves to do sign language. Oh, yes. right, yeah. And he holds up a pinky finger, crosses his arms like Wakanda, then points at his son who hates him. I just want to reinforce, that son doesn't like sign language. That son probably hates deaf people. And yet it's like a little side. It's like, no, your old man is cool. Please. This was, I think the script was written by like a father whose son called him gay one day. And uh, he's just like, oh, I'll show him I'm still cool. What if I was a goalie? Look, I'm going to be honest. All I'm thinking about is Chris Berman murdering a mascot in a kitchen <laughs> right now. With those fucking Hanna-Barbera sound effects too. very intrusive. <laughs> Nobody circles the wagons as he shoves that face into a deep Well, you see, it's been a dark day in America. <laughs> oh, Thrasil's dead here. Yeah. I I'm so sorry. <laughs> now! <laughs> Chris Berman. Uh, sorry, uh, he was supposed to do a silent reporting. Unfortunately, he's busy disarming C4. Uh, we're going to go live to Michelle Tafoya instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, somewhere along this movie, Jean-Claude Van Damme disarms C4 and a whole bunch of shit happens. And uh, He's a fucking, like, like I said, I just watched this, yeah, he's a security guard. He's a fire inspector. He changed his light bulb. How does he know how to do any yeah, of this? I, I gotta admit, I don't you know. See, you see, you guys missed a crucial plot point, which is him guessing a 50-50 on a wire oh, and yeah. getting it right and going, oh, thank God, that's how you disarm C4. <laughs> Literally an important God, I almost murdered 100,000 people. <laughs> like, out of all the diehard knockoffs, this is the biggest stretch of, like, uh, he was a firefighter once and he beefed it real hard and now he changes light bulbs, but also he's scaling the roof in fighting yeah, snipers. That, there's a whole it's lot fine. of that at the end. Uh, so anyway, they decide uh, to, I guess, evacuate them. I don't remember what's going on, where they uh, have to evacuate. Oh, let me let me explain it to you. So uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is fighting a guy on the roof, throws the guy off the roof, and he lands at the top of the the big scoreboard in the middle of the arena, yeah. and fireworks just start shooting out in all directions, so all the fans freak out and start oh, leaving. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And then Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, parachutes in, and everyone starts cheering. Oh, right, and thank then you. Then the finale happens. So that's the thing. It's like, also the roof retracts in the middle of the game. They keep playing because it's hockey. We play through anything, including weird fucking things going on with the arena. Anyway, he parachutes hey, in. For spoilers, <clears throat> they shot this at Skydome, the only retractable stadium that existed at the time. Well, anyway, he parachutes in. Everyone is running away, and his son, who he told him, 
don't move unless there is, you know, not even unless. It's like, don't move even if the building is falling down. And the kid just plants his ass in his seat. This kid, I, I swear, he reminds me of the kid from Predators. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Kid from Predators would I have uh, the predator. went and defused all the bombs for them as if they were a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You know what I said. My son, is this the next step in playing goalie? <laughs> Predator is way too skinny to be playing goalie, though, let's be real. Oh my god, they've come For and now. drained Eddie Belfort's spinal fluid. So here's Jesus the thing, Christ. it's like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme goes up to his kid and says, And his kid says, I stayed where I sat. I stayed where I sat. I stayed where I sat. I think he's like doing it to be like, please, Jean-Claude, understand what I'm saying. So, one thing that very much confused me about this is like, the whole, you know, the kid's sister running away is because he squirts her in the face with a squirt gun. And we never really see Jean-Claude meet up with his son again. Yet, in that scene with fake Danny Glover, he has the squirt gun full of lighter fluid and lights him on fire yeah so apparently his son squirted his daughter with flammable liquid or, or maybe he gets flammable yes liquid. that's the takeaway <laughs> that's what i kept thinking the entire time that he like he ignited fake danny glover because i was just like jeez no wonder the daughter was he upset did. what did he, he he thought it was like regular water in the squirt gun and just got lucky he, yes yes anyway <laughs> <laughs> that fucking he got, that's he a got way better fucking, movie he got fucking lucky with a c4 why not, why not anyway so everyone's running away powers booth puts on a fake mustache and alex you've seen jfk the wig that joe pesci wears in that movie yeah <laughs> he wears that wig and uh his daughter's like daddy daddy it's that man daddy daddy it's that man daddy daddy it's that man i feel like there's gonna be a dance beat because she kept she keeps fucking repeating this shit this is very rocky horror yeah he will not look he refuses now here's the thing here's the thing yeah his he's like at this point the girl keeps like walking away and jean-claude's not even looking at her jean-claude's like yeah i go home on your own i don't care and fucking uh, Powers Booth would have got away with it too if it wasn't for that meddling daughter and his own propensity for evil. Because he could have just walked away and no one would have ever seen him again. He would have been like uh, that, that guy at the end of The Usual Suspects. Except not a pedophile. So the reason that he gets caught is he can't help but kidnap this girl. It's <laughs> unreal that we're watching a movie where no one wants to fuck kids, but... You know, Jeffrey Jones not involved in this. Yeah, so. well, yeah, maybe next movie. Man, Jeffrey Jones kidnapping the vice president <laughs> will also be an intrusive thought that keeps me up but tonight. How can you be vice president? Let me on the I island. Thought they had to be at least thirty-five years old. <laughs> so Powers Booth steals uh, the little girl, and I guess was he take her up to the roof or something like that? And Jean Claude has to follow her, and. Uh, this, I want to talk about the helicopter scene. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> this one. Okay, so okay, uh, Power Smooth is climbing up there. And first of all, shout out to the daughter who has the same grip strength as her father. Uh, and it's just like <laughs> just climbing up the, <laughs> the crane. And uh, she gets up there and uh, she's like, oh no, daddy, he's going to shoot me with a gun. And uh, there really is no way for Jean-Claude to stop it. Like he dives in front of her. And then the gun just gets knocked out of Powers Booth's hand anyway, because the uh, helicopter's shifting around all over the place. The closest analog to the scene I've ever seen is in a movie that you watched this week, Chris. 
and I don't remember if it was Fast 6 or Fast 7, where uh, Vin Diesel launches off the parking garage into the oh, helicopter. Oh, that was, that was, I think that was 6. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. That is... What a fucking cool scene, too. It's so cool. It's so stupid. That's one thing about but... the street, Powers Booth. The street always wins. <laughs> so, Powers Booth climbs up the little rope ladder to the helicopter, is about to make his uh, nefarious escape. Jean-Claude Van Damme pulls out the pistol and just shoots into the helicopter randomly and kills almost everyone in there, including the pilot who decides that he will just jam the throttle and just sends the fucking helicopter down at a perpendicular angle to the ice. And it just goes in it's slow motion. It's so cool that he's worse. <laughs> he wears the disguise the entire time. He fucking explodes looking like Dr. Disrespect. It's so, so cool. The weirdest thing is it goes down, like, again, right at that perpendicular angle. It goes right in front of Jean-Claude Van Damme. So the producers were very sure to make, you know, make sure he doesn't get his, you know, his nose chopped off by the propeller. That fucking propeller is going so fast, it would blow them both off the stadium's roof. But... I guess they just didn't account for that sort of thing. So, uh, Powers Booth dies inside the Penguins Arena. Dude, when we get the shot from, like, the bottom of the arena, and you see that helicopter fall and realize how much time and money was put into this completely oh, unnecessary yeah. ending. Oh, my God, take me back to the mid-90s. I swear there was, like, a fucking claymation part of the helicopter that gets blown up in that stadium. <laughs> You gotta do what right, you gotta you know, do. Fill in the blanks there. Man, like, like this is this is the reason that I can say things like "fuck Bin Laden" because uh, <laughs> we could have just kept having movies like this where we just crash helicopters in stadiums, and it would have been fine. But then somebody had to go and ruin it. Fuck you, buddy. Our brains have never <laughs> recovered. That's a good point. So, any final thoughts on sudden death? I think this is the best Jean-Claude Van Damme movie we've done for a podcast. Yeah, I, I think my that. favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie is still Hard Target, but Sudden Death is up there. Sudden Death is... Hard, tar- hard Target's that's my, real good. That's, but... that's favorite. This might be... No. I'm trying to think is one of my favorite and is one of the best. Well, you know, hard, sure target's, hard Target's fair. been too long. Yeah. Gonna, gonna rewatch Double Team recent. 2? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Funny. Oh, that reminds me. A friend texted me. Uh, I got him to watch uh, Society. He says that movie really sucks until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it sure. You can't just recommend like the last ten minutes. I don't get why'd you recommend the. Oh, right. Yeah. No. Turns out, calling <laughs> yeah. That guy, turns out calling that guy a butthead really did come <laughs> back. Chekhov's butthead. So uh, similar to uh, Double Team, it's all about the ending. And the ending to this movie is really good, but. All of this movie is really good. There's a lot of stuff we didn't even mention, incomprehensible as it is. There's a lot of correct, really extreme <laughs> violence in this movie that I wasn't quite anticipating. Uh, like goofy lines, really funny lines too. There's actually some really good one-liners. Yeah, and the one-liners aren't egregious. Like this is not an Arnold movie. Yeah. Like to be clear, like there are multiple kitchen fight scenes where there is nary a one-liner to be found, and it's kind of nice. And this movie, for, like, all of its quote-unquote flaws, because all of them are actually perks, but uh, the fact that it takes place in one building really does do a lot for it. Because, like, we've all been to a stadium for some sort of sporting event. You have, like, a general layout of how that works in your head. And that makes this movie so much more effective. Because, like, even if you've never been to the vice president's box, like, it's a stadium 
there's C4 under the bleachers. He has to go disarm it. Like, it, it just works. It just, it's a good setting for this kind of movie. You know, one of the scenes that really stuck with me, and there's a lot of, like, real genuine pathos in this movie, and the scene between that brother and the sister, where he squirts her in the face and she says, I hate you, and runs away, and he looks back and he, he doesn't go after her because he's sort of conflicted. And it just reminded me of when I was a kid, and there's another goal by the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if I'll ever put on this headset ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Parker, any thoughts? I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank my friend Powers Booth and everyone and the Chicago Blackhawks. I actually Arts have a lot of respect for the city of Pittsburgh, and I didn't mean any of the things that I said about them. I did. Our Fuck good, the thing about the Blackhawks is that they have never committed any crimes. So, right. I th- Sunday is like the last big uh, Van Damme movie. Yeah, right? I mean, it was. Yeah, like, it's all yeah. After this, you get like what Enemies Closer, and that's about it. That was like, that was what, that 15 years or something after this? No, actually, I think we already did an episode on uh, Enemies Closer. Did you really? Yeah, we did. Remember, uh, the other Alex was like really into us watching it, and huh. not I, much to I say. Really not but... much to say, unfortunately. That fucking hair, though. Yeah, you got Sudden Death, and you got yeah. Double Team. <laughs> and then... Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, let, time to take our medicine, boys. Let's get into the game of games. Oh fuck! I forgot. <laughs> God damn it! Three thirty in the fucking. <laughs> Ah, yes, my favorite part of the week. So, uh, a little bit of housekeeping first. You know, astute listeners will know that uh, no movies were assigned from the uh, the Manticore portion of last week. And you know what? <laughs> Just I, hearing that sentence. <laughs> I thought about it, and I think the only fair way to handle this... You know, we, we've been doing this podcast for a couple years. We've built up trust between us. Have we? No. Of course. <laughs> of course we have. And the thing is, like, I'm going to trust everybody to punish themselves. You know, like, just pick a movie that you wouldn't otherwise watch. Sit down. Watch it. Report back. Say that, hey, this is my Manticore movie. And if your self-punishment is not sufficient... Maybe the manticore will just stick its jaws into you. So just, just, I'm not saying go overboard. I'm not saying like go out of your way to please the manticore. Like Parker, you don't need to watch more of the baby geniuses yet. What? But I'm just saying, like everyone knows here. Basically, this is year three of the game of games. Like everyone kind of knows what's up. Like just, just find something. If you guys both would watch Zookeeper and we talk about Zookeeper for ten minutes next week, cool. If uh, That's a good hint. if yeah, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, Zookeeper's a fair bar. The Manticore would be very happy with that. I mean, not that I. I know mean, you him, say that like the standards speaking. here are pick a movie I wouldn't otherwise watch. I would like to please the Manticore. <laughs> well. <laughs> one thing that you should know is that uh, sudden death is not indicative of how playing goalie actually works but uh 
you do whatever you want, man. As long as it's not like, hey, yeah, I tried to please the Manticore by watching La La Land. Like, then we're probably good, you know. <laughs> Although maybe the Manticore would be fine with that. I don't know. Yeah. If I did it, I think the Manticore would be fine with it. Maybe maybe the Manticore is just like really cool with the white guy jazz, you know? Like he's just like he's a, like a really big E forty fan. Like he loves white guy reggae, you know. And maybe it's just you know extrapolation. Who who's to say? It's just my point is like I will be punishing myself. Y'all should punish yourself once. And Chris, if you say like, yeah, I punished myself with a French move from the sixties. No, no, like, we no. All know you're lying. We all know you're lying because you would have watched that I anyway. I actually have an idea. So, Again, a movie I right, wouldn't no, otherwise no, watch. Lay it on us. Let's hear it. Juno. Chris, buddy, if you would like to come over to my place, I own Juno on DVD. I'll consider it. Uh, is that enough of a punishment? It sounds like it's good enough. <laughs> it sounds like it's too good or something. No, Juno is... As far as you are concerned, that's a great choice. That's just a movie that I saw in theaters, so yeah, I can't... Did it do a lot for you, much. or...? I want you to think about everything you know about me and how I feel about, you know, conventional wisdom in general and why I would like that movie when it came out when I was 15. I don't know almost anything about it. I just remember that it had the words honest to blog and I was like, oh, I'm just not going to watch that. Correct. (laughs) Those words are in fact in the movie. Yeah, so. Report back on the acting of one Michael Sarah. I like him. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to the game of games. So... (laughs) Parker, unless you have an idea involving things that you want to bounce off some people, you know. Is that a hint? Was I supposed to come prepared with something? No, you weren't. I just Chris was prepared. So if Chris is gonna punch himself with Juno, I just want to say the Manticore's probably happy with that. And I'll watch some dog shit kids movie. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm looking at the list of stuff I was gonna sign. Was like, oh no, these are things I've seen or would like well parker if you ever need any suggestions i I have some suggestions for you yeah i'm sure i'll hear a couple with the roll of the dice so let's do some housekeeping first uh just straight up you know game of games records this week my teams went four and four chris's teams had a great week they went six and three that is big for the game of games when you you you're responsible for 10 teams like that's really good and parker (laughs) Well, Parker's teams went two and seven. Oh, beans. So, <laughs> so Chris is going to assign a movie to Parker this week mm-hmm. before we do anything else. Okay. Uh, Parker, I'm going to give you a good one, actually. I want you to watch Memories Ooh. of Murder. Ooh. Parker, you will enjoy it's that. It's a little bit long, but I, I took your blood pressure, and it turns out you're testing low for flying drop kicks. So. That is correct. Actually, I did watch Undisputed Four this week. So, uh, well, okay, not as low as you would think. <laughs> you, uh, which is, we could have talked about some Undisputed movies. We could have discussed a little discourse. And as uh, anyone that pays attention to this stupid fucking game would know, last week I unleashed the Dragon Balls. The Dragon Balls are back in play. You guys know how the Dragon Balls work, right? Yeah, I have sure I've been running intimately. in my neighborhood and looking in the forest uh, along the road, <laughs> along the path, trying to find them. <laughs> well, let me tell you which three teams held a Dragon Ball this week. It was the Colts, who were owned by Chris, the Falcons, who were owned by Parker, oh. and the Lions, who are somehow also owned by Chris. 
So Chris, you have two. Parker has one. I I just I'm just keeping the record out there for who owns what. I have two dragons. (laughs) No, like I'm doing the same thing. (laughs) If you guys want to keep track, like I'm not I'm not gonna fuck with Uh this. Like I'm gonna write them down Uh, and just want to make sure. I am an honest broker here. I I gave myself zero dragon balls. Like you can clearly see that. So uh. We got some COVID. Uh, no, we don't have COVID dice. Nobody, oh. nobody has to roll a COVID dice this week. All right. Nobody seemed fucked up. So, uh, moving past that, moving well, past that the game games. Up, so. <laughs> oh, buddy. We get, we get to our uh, two community teams, who this week are the Steelers and Broncos, both of which won. Yes. Oh, uh, see, the the gambit worked out. <laughs> It worked out. I mean, that you gave up the, be- the best team in the NFL. Yeah, like, well, unironically, well, I think the Steelers. If, if like, listeners, if you are sports gamblers at all, the Steelers from the Super Bowl is still, like, 12-1. to 1. Like, you should bet it. They're clearly the best football team right now. But uh, let's put that aside. Just let's put that aside for a second. And we're going to roll some COVID dice. Or not COVID dice. The good dice. The good dice, not the COVID dice. Right. You know what? It doesn't get any easier. <laughs> it doesn't. It truly doesn't. So, uh, you guys keep track of this, because it's up to you to remember to use these. But, uh, everybody now has a doubler multiplier. So, at any point, from this point forward, in which you assign someone content, you can assign them double the, the content that would otherwise be assigned. Right. So, uh, if you uh, get the opportunity to assign one movie, it can now be two movies. And if it's going to be, you know, two hour-long episodes of a show, it cannot be four hour-long episodes of a show. So, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, let's roll for the second one. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So, uh, you guys are going to get a chance to grab... A treasure from the grab bag of previous treasures. So we've been playing this game for a couple of years now. Right. Been a lot of treasures that I'm put in play, and I've put together a table of ten of them. I'm just ten that I thought you know were real hits. You know, give the people what they want. Let's see some uh, see some things that uh haven't been seen in a while. So uh, I'll roll for myself first because you know everyone wins with these die. So I'm gonna roll for myself first. And grab this other dice. <laughs> you play backgammon or something? Jeez, how many dice? <laughs> how many do you need for this? Don't worry about it. What's important oh. is that I am an idiot and put too much thought into the bumper notes, which I've now acquired. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm going to have the opportunity to use the D6 to uh, bumper notes some movies that get assigned to me. And whenever it fails, I have to watch the Julian Assange movie with Benedict Bumpernuts is Julian <laughs> Assange. So when you Bumpernuts a movie, does it Bumpernuts into the ether, or does it Bumpernuts back to whoever assigned it? It didn't Bumpernuts back before. Or right, so like yeah, it just Bumpernuts so back just into like, the universe. Yeah, so that movie, in, whatever you assigned, is just in the universe now. Hope it and and, and when it, whenever, whenever it fails, I have to watch that movie plus the, the Julian Assange movie. Which... <laughs> For the record, because I looked this up as I was preparing for this, 128 minutes. Oh, Holy dog shit. 
You hate. I would as, never roll those dice again. <laughs> as funny as I thought it would be, this is now what I'm stuck with. Now, Parker and Chris, which was you would like to go first? I would like to go first. Come on, give Daddy that sweet dragon radar. No, wait a second. You can't just have my teams. Ooh. All right, Chris. I'm going to give you no context for this. <laughs> now, bear in mind, you have two Dragon Balls already this week. Yeah. How many more Dragon Balls would you like to receive? Uh, sorry, say that again. You kind of cut out. How many more Dragon Balls would you like to receive? Uh, Remember, you need seven for a wish. Carry the three. Could I get... Four Dragon Balls? Four Dragon Balls. Okay. So he, you get your four Dragon Balls no matter what happens with this roll, okay? okay? So you are now at six Dragon Balls. That's a lot Wait of a Dragon second. Balls. Wait a second. <laughs> How could so this here's possibly backfire? I'm going to roll this D6. Oh, D6. Shit. And if the number is one through four, then uh, there might be a little monkey's finger that's curling oh, no. up. That comes to line with the Dragon Balls. Big you could, daddy you, could, you could have asked for five, but... I, for one, trust your dice roll. You lost in the first roll, Chris, so I'll give you another chance. It's like icing the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. You picked four Dragon yeah. Balls, yes? And you lost um... on this roll. And this monkey's finger is just curling up. And four Dragon Balls is now four hours of content. Man. Now, let me just consult my chart. Let me pull it open. Oh, that's weird. It says four hours of content corresponds directly to the Hillary Clinton documentary on Hulu. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not four hours long, though. It is four one-hour episodes, yes. Fucking shit. The Hillary Clinton documentary on Hulu? Correct. Man, you paying for Hulu has been a real monkey's paw of its own, huh? Look, I had results for each possible die roll. He picked four. Four happened to hit the Hillary documentary. I did not plan this. It's just how See, it happened. I, I picked four because I assumed die. like there were only four left in the world because uh, there's one for Parker. You know, there's seven total. I think Parker. Did you ever watch that show? It's no, no. The, the way the Dragon Balls work. There's an infinite, just, just like yeah, infinite yeah, Dragon yeah, Balls. Yeah. And you just you get to seven, you turn them in. It's pardon like me cards. for being it's, the don't pardon worry, me for being it. the biggest fan well, I mean, of you, Dragon Ball Z on this podcast. No, the problem is you should have said five to guarantee the wish so you could punish me back. Oh, well. I only have six. Well, this so. makes it more exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. This was. It was on the chart. Ah, it was on the chart. I misunderstood. Now, uh, now Parker, you also get a uh, reward from the Parker, grab Parker, I'm just going to warn you now. Be careful. <laughs> Why start now? Ooh, Parker got the Millennium Puzzle. The fuck? Buddy. The pyramids are mine. <laughs> yeah? You want to go back? Dude. Right now? More than I've ever wanted to anything All right, in my life. We're going back to the pyramids. Now, I have written this down. And you know what? 
Since people are questioning my judgment, I am gonna send the pyramid results to Chris right now, so we okay, can double okay, check right. this. You know, just 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 right, so he so knows. So you're not bullshitting, right? Yeah. Uh, Don't question your judgment. Well, I think well, some of the you know what? I, I'm just are like, oh, what if he planned this to make him watch the Baby Geniuses movie? Yeah. Uh, Anime Princess has sent me. Uh, I would never Alex do that. Me a, uh, that that seems fair. That seems real. Okay. <laughs> All right. You don't need to cheat. My team's won two games. So, so Parker, we have the five paths left or right through the pyramid together. You are back in the pyramid. If you get through, untold riches. If you don't get through, who's to say what you must want? Well, Not I have to ask, uh, Parker did obtain the Millennium Puzzle now. Can he use this to help him? He can use also it he can use what? it to uh, undo. What does it do exactly? <laughs> All right. I got excited. It <laughs> just went right back I to the pyramid. <laughs> Alright, so it's funny that Chris brought that up because you can uh, you can re-roll one of your mistakes. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, so uh, you have a pretty good shot because it's Is that it's once a week or just once ever? You know we'll what? Out next week, got it. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I if it works until you get through. Like once you get through, Deal. you don't get to keep oh, using yeah, the puzzle. Probably. If you get sent back to the pyramid, hypothetically, but uh, if if you are to fail this week and you get back again, you can use a reroll in the Millennium, in the millennium Pyramid or whatever you want to call this pyramid. Yeah. I know. I've watched enough of the All episodes. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, you come to the first crossroads. <laughs> You've, you've acquired the treasure of the babies and the pyramid. You've defeated the mummies. You've gotten by the traps. You get to the first crossroads, left or right, Barker. Well, last time I picked left first and it went horribly, so I'm going to pick left again. Correct. Moving on. Yes. You get to the second juncture in the pyramid. I know that somebody likes my Dungeon Master voice, <laughs> so do. I now it's have to... For me. Yeah. You know what? Let's just hang a Louie. Let's keep it going. You should use your reroll. <laughs> hey, let's reroll and go right. All right. You have gotten past the second phase of the pyramid. Let me go on to the third phase of the pyramid. Left or right, Barker? You know, I just feel really good about those left turns. You know, the last one didn't go great, but we're going to try it again. All right, moving on. Left is good. Get to the fourth juncture in the pyramid. You are getting very close to the exit with your treasure. Left or right? Right. Ooh. Oh, you had a second it. millennium puzzle. Oh, no. So here's the thing I uh, Googled a list of movies that were set in ancient Egypt. Because <laughs> the only thing that possibly be fair. So you, this week, you will be watching Mr. Peabody and Sherman. God. Fucking Holy damn it. Shit. There's so many animated kids movies with talking animals. <laughs> there really are. It's just so disgustingly like CGI and dime store Jimmy Neutron. I guess we could appreciate it. Yeah. I might. A TV series based on the film titled The Mr. Peabody and Sherman Show premiered on Netflix on October 9th, 2015 with Chris Parnell replacing Burrell as Mr. Peabody, while Charles replaces his role as Sherman. That sounds really good. I don't know who these people are. Yeah. 
If they're in Egypt for like one scene, I'm going to be so mad. Listen, I'm just trusting Google. When has okay. Google ever got anything? That was, uh, I was just kidding. Why did I go back there? <laughs> you were so excited! Oh, they visit Marie Antoinette in Versailles during the French Revolution in Parker, 1789. I think that you thought that the Millennium Puzzle would just like, it would just be like a dowsing rod and just tell you where everything goes. Dude, the no, reroll is excited. really the reroll is really strong in the pyramid. Like he's gonna get through eventually. Like I got excited about the pyramid. If he stuck left, he would have gotten three of the five. Yeah. I um, thought about it. <laughs> oh, that's his music by Danny oh, Elfman. So it'll be good. Parker, you like Danny Elfman? He does the oh. Tim Burton movies. <laughs> Budget one hundred and forty-five million dollars. Fuck All out right. of here. Uh, Anything else for the game of games? No, I think we're good as long as everybody abides by their manticore punishments. <laughs> oh, no no bet welchers here. Join us next time when we become unhinged. And that's the tea, sis.